All right, clap sync. Three, two, one. Perfect. The vibes have been successfully checked. That's right. And the vibes yeah. checked are them chill. at the door. Mm-hmm. There were some nice vibes too, but they're outside now in the cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I'm waiting outside? for is like because Brandon's out of town, I'm waiting for the one moment where my dog will undoubtedly have zoomies in the middle of this episode. So the vibes will be chill. We'll be all like talking in our NPR voices. And then just suddenly in the background, you're just going to hear like a train come through. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny too, because like if you're listening in the car, right? Like, like I've, I've sort of like talked about this before, but like when I was on a road trip, I realized this. It's like, okay, if you're just listening to a podcast in your headphones or whatever, or like out of speakers and just at a normal volume, it sounds like people are talking in the room. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're in a car and it's like really fucking loud for whatever reason, you know what I mean? You're like driving fast. Then you got to turn people up hella loud. So then your dog is not going to become like whatever size dog it actually is in their car. In that moment, it's going to be like a fucking giant historic beast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like just running around trampling trees and shit so yeah it'll be unfortunate but actually that sounds kind of cool <laughs> that is my pet moose <laughs> we exactly but yeah yes. dude can you imagine having a, a, a moose with antlers and just like walking around your house and like it means good but like it's just knocking shit over constantly i'm pretty you know sure you would die because yeah for i would real. die oh. moose are not friendly creatures <laughs> Well, yours aren't. They're not trained well. I get that. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. <laughs> I mean, I took my. No, but that's a no-no classes, for real, though. But like... yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like no, but for real though, like that's how I feel about people with like you. Ever, you always see these clips online, right? But it's like people with these like giant beasts, like like tigers and shit, and it's like, oh, they're young and like they're growing up, and it's like, it's dude, all that thing needs is one fucking bad day, right? Where it just doesn't feel like the pet that you raise but it feels like a tiger instead and and that's just not the world you wanted to live in bro yeah i mean never Mm -hmm. own exotic pets it never ends well Mm -hmm. unless you are trained i mean i guess but even so like i've heard stories of like a woman with a trained chimpanzee and the chimpanzee like pulled her face off not not the pet but the person the person needs to be trained. unless yeah, yeah 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 like a zookeeper yeah. Or something. What, you get like a fucking, like what, like one of those like courses that gives you like a certificate? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Skillshare. Skillshare probably has yeah. something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's like a Udemy course, but it was on sale for like a dollar instead of a 99, allegedly 99 course, right? And it's just, it's just, you know, garbage YouTube videos about how to like, you know, if, if, the, if the animal looks crazy, like you should, don't run exactly, but do leave. <laughs> 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 that'll be fifty dollars thanks <laughs> exactly dude if you ever like the my, my favorite thing ever was, was udemy where it's like they have all sorts of courses on all sorts of things like learning programming and like what you know game design and other things like that and and, and of course many other things that are maybe more aligned with whoever the person's listening is interests are but i remember going there and they'd be like wow like limited time only everything's on fucking sale and it's like yeah you see things for like a hundred dollars and they're like on sale for like five dollars wow this is crazy and then they're like two weeks or whatever. I don't fucking remember. But anyways, the two weeks like passed. And then they were trying to justify selling things for full price. And I remember just opening an incognito window and going back and it being everything on sale again. And it was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> so you're playing. Yeah, okay. All right. This is what it's going to be. Um, so I hate to breathe this way, but if you got a course on Udemy for full price, they fucking got you. It might yeah. not be your fault. 
but they got you and you should be mad. So anyways, um, spreading that into the world, yeah. Mm-hmm. This has mm-hmm. been Life Hacks with McCoy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Chugi. Mm-hmm. Chugi. <laughs> <laughs> A word. I was about that earlier. Which is hard to define. Mm-hmm. A word you which I don't know if it needs to exist. I kind of like, well, does. so the thing is, is like, I've been playing a lot of TFT lately and the character Nar on there, he says like, shuggy, shuggy, shuggy. And now I'm going to like pretend that he's going like, shuggy, shuggy, shuggy. Okay, wait, wait, wait. This is actually really an interesting breaking development in this because originally the definition I had read on Urban Dictionary for Chugi was the opposite of trendy, stylish in middle school and high school, but no longer in style. Right? I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. But then the second definition is kind of more what Raphael was talking about, which is another way to describe aesthetics, people, slash experiences that are basic. It was coined by a now 23-year-old white woman in 2013 with a student at... Beverly Hills School. Okay, wow, they got history in here too. I thought that was a joke, man. I think that was another... way funnier in my head before I finished that sentence. I thought it was coined, not the phrase, but that Chugi is defined by a 23-year-old white woman in 2013 that was no. studying at Beverly Hills it, High School. It Fuck. is. I mean, it, it basically is. Like, that's right. That's really close to what Chugi is. The one yep. thing I was reading about it was also stressing the, like, trying too hard aspect of it. Like, when you're, you're like, trying hard to be positive and you end up posting like i think it's, it's like affirmations more, on facebook yeah or like in in work contexts like somebody finishes a project and you're like minion cheering memes mm. right and you're yeah. like but you don't actually feel that way because yeah dude honestly like yeah when people react to things like really intensely, it's like using exclamation marks back in the day for everything. It's just like, are you really this excited about all of your text messages? And then you like look over at the person and they're in this fucking, which we're now very familiar with, but this sort of zombie like, st- you know, phase or like stare at their phone, which like now is standard, but back then it was like really shocking. And they're using all these exclamation marks while their body is like twitching. You know what I mean? It's barely moving. <laughs> just sort of like slunk back in their chair. You know what I mean? And yeah. So, um. Yeah, yeah. that's chuggy. Apparently. That's chooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So long story no short, is... we don't know how to use this word. We're just, uh, and by we, I mean I. In but... fact, it's it's possible it describes us. Yeah. Oh, or definitely. Definitely. But if you want to fight words like this, all you have to do as the modern person is use some of the catch-all words that basically like are the ultimate counter to everything. Such words as cringe ratio. Cringe. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cringe was the first one I was thinking of. Yes. Chuggy yes. is cringe, question mark? <laughs> right, right. Cringe just counters all this because you're like, hey, man, I brought you a new word. And you're like, new words are cringe because I am on the TikTok generation where new words are not used. Like, yeah. Oh. Oh. Dude, no, we just re- a... reuse old words, um, but like change the way that you say them. Uh, like sheesh or whatever. Um, right. Which is just an old word, but said different. Yeah. And then I come in with red and they're all just like, dude, you're so fucking lame. And I'm like, no, you're so fucking lame. But, you know, it's tough to, to battle. You don't want to battle at that level. I didn't even yeah. realize didn't that imagine. rad was that old of a word until I used it one time and people were just like, whoa, somebody's from the 50s. And I'm like, what? And you're like, you're like, I say. <laughs> I, think it, I think it may have had a more Here recent resurgence. My word. Well, so I loved rad and I use it all the time, but I used it 
from like like it was old at the time when I used it, and I liked it that way because mm. to me it was more like a statement of not being on the cutting edge because the cutting edge like who gives a fuck about that? I mean, it's like come on, the so, cutting edge really was chuggy. <laughs> Okay. See, I think there's a better word for chuggy, and it's called lame. Yeah. <laughs> lame is just, it's just right there. It's universal. It's, when you're... It, it means lame, but it's more pretentious. Okay. I think mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I think that's the definition of chuggy. It's just like lame, but I'm trying to be pretentious. Right. It actually says something about you, the person who's saying it a little bit. Yeah. I think so. And I think it also says something about spelling bees. Like they're running mm-hmm. out of material quick. So they're just like making new shit up. You know what I mean? Like, like motherfuckers too good. Like, think about the the spelling bee metagame, right? At some point, there was a person who just knew the whole dictionary, memorized, and like, how do you beat that guy? You gotta create new words. Mm. You know? Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah. So anyways, this is a filler episode, but it doesn't have to be... <laughs> it doesn't have to be uh, shitty, though. It's just like, yo, we've just been vibing, trying to, like, enjoy life and play some other video games. Which turns out we're gamers, and sometimes uh, it's important to let us, like, play the games that we would play otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that, that we actually just, like, play naturally instead of, like, sitting there and having, like, what, like, embarrassing, like, almost, like, sort of, like... I don't know how to describe it, but like shame feelings of like, ooh, I'm playing the game that I actually like, but I'm not playing the other game. It's all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> you're hiding your also, status on Steam. You're hiding your status on Discord. Mm-hmm. You're hiding yep. from the world. Mm-hmm. So no one sees you log in 200 hours of Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Definitely not talking from experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how's Mass, Mass Effect? Recently? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've uh, I've been playing uh so I've been playing modded Mass Effect actually um so I went no clothes? I downloaded yeah it's everyone's naked mod yes yeah it's all the crewmates are just except naked. for those blue aliens for some reason they like clothe those nope nope they're naked as well <laughs> okay okay <laughs> they just all have little pasties that's about it oh <laughs> <laughs> pasties I thought it was called pasty am I just maybe it's pasties I don't know I was I called don't know. okay pasties are actually pasty? a food maybe I should say pasties I'm not sure I don't know <laughs> I've always okay. pronounced anyway <laughs> um, important. No, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I've been doing like a lot of uh, visual mods. So it's just uh, like refining a lot of the, um, I don't know, like even though Legendary Edition updated a bunch of the graphics and whatnot, um, I just basically wanted to see how much my graphics card could do. So, you know, that means Mm -hmm. perfectly rendered breasts and butts, Mm. you know? It does. I did restore. I I did. I did download the restore Miranda's butt mod just for posterity's sake. Yeah, that's probably one of the top ten. I would imagine. I do that for the laughs. Um, But then it's also a little. It's also cool just because uh, as femship, um, especially in Mass Effect One, there's a lot of sexual harassment that goes her way. So I downloaded a no sexual harassment mod, and people just treat femship like maleship in that way. And I'm like, sweet, this is good. I have one where hmm. Caden's not a dick to me. I like that mm-hmm. mod. I have a mod that that's feeds good. my fish for me. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. great that my fish don't die. <laughs> Did I don't just turn Mass Effect into a clicker where they just like you download a mod, just plays the whole game for you and just sit back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is ridiculous, though, how much of the gameplay gets removed once you look yeah. at it. Like, I was looking through a bunch of when I was downloading all the mods for two. Everyone's like, you know, 
oh, download the, you know, scan the whole planet with one probe mod so you don't right. have to actually do anything and don't fire any probes mod. So you just scan the planet and you get all the resources. You have the skip yeah. the mini games mod where you don't have to do any of the hacking. <laughs> like, yeah. at this point, you're just doing dialogue choices, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can even download. I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's exactly true for this game, but for a lot of games, you can just download an end game character. <laughs> Mm -hmm. or you can download a thing that just makes you allow to do the choices in a menu you know like sort of like at the beginning of like well last time on mass effect if you didn't play this but it's just the whole game you know what i mean right. instead of being like i chose these three things yeah dude the modding world's fucking dope i'm so glad that you've like dipped your toes into that because that's like a a very like pcs pc thing and mm -hmm. it's just a super cool thing that people are making shit out there doing weird shit they're just they're just, it's it's just um it's a technological way of seeing someone's opinion. You're like, yo, mm. this should have been this way. And Higher like, oh, fans wall? What? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, and that, I mean, that's the crazy thing is that, um, like, one of the mods is just called, like, a whole lot of videos or something like that, where it's just all of the video cutscenes are remastered and re-rendered and it is just insane that basically a bunch of fans just made mass effect look better than bioware could ever do now granted bioware was yeah. on a time crunch like we talked about all of that stuff but like basically they've created the mass effect experience of like if bioware was actually given the time to like create <laughs> something masterful so it's really it's, really great but like dude like it yes they're on a time crunch okay but like dude some of these mods really do just show you, like, wait a minute. This fucking guy, according to his, like, bio post that he just wrote in here, spent, like, two weeks on this. And it just, like, revolutionizes the, like, lighting <laughs> engine of the game. And you're like, oh, fuck. And it's not to say that, like, anyone else could do it. But it's just, like, Skyrim's, like, really full with that. Skyrim's the classic one that I used to mod all the time. Because it's just, like, you can take a ridiculously old school game and just make it look so insane mm -hmm. yeah like just so insane and then I they think... come out with fallout 4 <clears throat> and then they come out with fallout i forget already what it's called you know that other one um, 76 76 I and it's like people are like why that stuff sorry. is actually not in the game is because they wanted it to run on every single machine mm -hmm. yeah. um and like mods don't have to do that so, like, they could make those games, like, way more amazing, but then they'd have to support it, whereas mod modders don't have to support it, you know? <clears throat> yeah, a mod and a published game have different reliability guarantees. Yeah, except for your mods, Raphael, where you're still updating them to this day, right? Well, I mean, I would say even, even mine are not quite at the level of reliability that, like, the game itself has. There's definitely times when it's like, I know something is broken, but I've just been too busy to fix it. Hmm. To be fair, they've re-released Skyrim 14 times, and they still haven't fixed some of the bugs in that <laughs> game, so. <laughs> we weren't talking you know. exclusively about, actually, I guess we were talking about Bethesda, but. No. Man. Yeah. No, but mods are fucking cool, man. Mods are super cool, and I remember, like, it's just like, to me, there's like a cathartic process of like, man, I'm going to download this game and just put you know, just a fuck ton of mods in this bad boy and see what happens. And you spend, like, so long. And, like, I don't know if you're using, like, the fucking, I forget, like, Volcano fucking launcher or whatever that thing is. It's like they rebranded it at some point. It was, like, the mod hub for some of these games. I don't know what they support, but it's, like, you know, it helps you download it. It keeps track of it. You can, like, mm -hmm. delete or update things from there. 
Um, right. But it's like, you know, mm. you do all that shit, right? You, like, download all these mods. Like, damn, this is so sick. And then you, like, I was even watching YouTube videos where it was like, hey, man, I created a mod pack. I didn't make any of the mods, but I've been through hundreds of mods, and I made, like, these 15 that aesthetically, like, really fit together. And, like, design-wise really fit together. So you should get these. You know what I mean? And I would, mm. like, go through and, like, download those. And it would be this, like, insane, like, almost, like, project you know what i mean like it's like a project we're like trying to like sift through all this look at all this cool shit trying to see what's and then it's like you play the game for at least for me for like 15 minutes you get murdered by an insanely beautiful naked lady and then you're like this is stupid and you just uninstall <laughs> and you're because like... <laughs> then the game is like hey play 100 hours of me to like become powerful and i'm like i don't think i'm gonna do that <laughs> i don't think i'm good um yeah or you walk into white run and you just crash instantly and you're like jesus i am not gonna debug that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what did that. Did you have any crashes or was it all fucking chill or like yeah? Uh so I mean Mass Effect has been very smooth, but that's I mean mainly due to they I they have like their main mod hub, which is like the ME three tweaks mod manager. So it's basically gotcha. where you compile everything and it yep. informs you of updates, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Um mm. And so far, I haven't had any issues. I was really scared about a lot of the, like, texture, uh, you know, retexturing I was doing. Um, because specifically, I wanted to do, I guess, like, more realistic, realistic in rough quotes, but realistic alien textures. So it's like, you know, the Turians don't look plastic. Instead, they look actually kind of scaly and, like, lizard-like in a way. And it looks absolutely gorgeous now. My God, as I was like basically going through the code of this game, like installing all of these texture mods, I'm like, Garrus is gonna show up on the screen. He's just gonna be like this like green like polygon model in front of me yeah. or something. I'm gonna screw it up. But it worked. I mean, th the internet is insanely helpful with a lot of stuff. And actually, um, a lot of YouTube videos have kind of done that like mod pack that you've been saying, McCoy, where it's like mm -hmm. basically I would just like look up top you know, Mass Effect 2 mods and people will have like 25 minute videos going through like 25 of their favorite mods. And I've kind of just been picking and choosing from there. How does Garrus feel about the fact that you made him more beautiful? Like, do you know what I'm saying without his permission? I'm sure he's grateful. Oh, nice. Well, what's the point of living if he can't be beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great reference. Fuck, I, I can't beat that. All right, I accept defeat. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I, dude, mods are fun. I haven't done a mod or anything in a while, but that mm -hmm. sounds like, that sounds fun. That's I nice. mean, I've that's only a, done all... Stardew Valley mods up until right. now, and Stardew Valley mm -hmm. mods are pretty easy. I mean, it's very hard to completely break that game um, because of how simple it is to install a lot of those mods. But I guess I was, like, more intimidated by Mass Effect only because there's, like, there's a lot of prerequisites that you need to download prior to everything else. So I was just like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to kill my computer. But but it's actually it not that crazy, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. very overwhelming when you look at it initially. But right. once you get the hang of it, it's it's really cool. But that's what I love is like, I remember like talking to plenty of people, like having a PC for a long time, but not even longer than a bunch of my friends, but just being like, yeah, I modded something like, oh, and it's like the classic, like, wow, you must be amazing at computers. And it's like, no, I was modding things when I was terrible at computers, but they told me to download this shit and put it in this goddamn folder. And for fuck's <laughs> sake, I, I figured that out. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've I mastered the copy and paste. <laughs> exactly. The drag. Wow. I can drag that's, a I mean, that's one of the most important programmer skills. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the copy. It's true. It's true. (laughs) There was some fucking programmer humor tweet or fucking whatever post that they were taking a picture of a tweet, which I guess, what is it really? I don't know. But it was like, yo, like the IT department like got really mad at us for some reason and banned Google in our (laughs) like section of the programmer like world. And it was like, we were about to see who's a real programmer. (laughs) 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 Which I would argue that the real programmer knows how to use Google well. But okay. It was still funny. It's still funny. That it's pretty I don't funny. know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, I guess other than that, I've just been trying to play a little bit more of Elden Ring here and there. And then, uh, I don't know. I still haven't gotten far. I, I find it hard to hype myself up for a solo gaming session of Elden Ring these days for whatever reason. I so, feel that. Yeah, it's hard. I kind of, I go in, I play it for like maybe about like an hour or two and then I'll be done for the day and be okay with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Not nearly my like grinding sessions that I normally do. Um, Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, definitely. I played a little bit of Elden Ring this week. I did one, uh, well, I, I turned on the game and then I remembered that I couldn't remember which bonfire I was supposed to travel to next. Um, so I traveled to like six different bonfires figuring that out. Hmm. Um, and then I immediately made my way to the bo- the next boss. I didn't realize how close I was. Um, and then I died to that boss a few times and was like, you know... I'll come back to this later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I just wasn't in the right headspace. Um, what is the boss called? Uh, it's in the Volcano Manor. It's the big boss. Rikard? Rikard, uh, yeah. Rikard, yeah. It doesn't seem That's like a sick it's boss. that... It, it, it feels like, like definitely very killable, like very doable, but I just wasn't in the right headspace. <clears throat> Such and an anime fucking very boss, rusty, dude. Rusty, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like Elden Ring asks you to be in some pretty good form, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've definitely run into days where it's like, I want to play Elden Ring today, but my reaction times are garbage, so is that really going to be fun? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's super fair. I've definitely started, I've started playing Elden Ring on my 390 hertz zero lag fucking monitor and uh it's nice (laughs) (laughs) i actually like really recommend that it's like really nice like they just the dodge rolls are way easier but game's hard bro game is definitely hard is it no longer locked to 60 fps it's locked but you so there's a couple things that have it that it has advantage for one because it's flashing so much the 390 hertz even though there's only 60 fps from the game it presents the frame earlier mm, that's the frame delay so you, yeah so you get like better uh like lag or whatever i get now what reaction times i should say and on the other side of that uh it also has backlight strobing which means like in between each frame it flashes a black screen which sounds really annoying you can't see it but what it does is it smooths everything out instead of having that like trail of movement it has like a very smooth movement so it's just easier to read people's moves to be mm. honest hmm and I find that very helpful. Um, so I balance that with, like, I can play on my TV where, like, Elena and, like, her sister can come over and watch. And it's, like, fun. Um, and then I'm getting just 
dumpstered. Not actually. But especially some of the later game stuff. I'm just getting destroyed. And then I'm like, hey, guys. So I know you're on the beanbag chair. But do you want to go huddle up next to the small 1080p monitor I have over here? And they're like, what the fuck? Why? And I'm like, look at how smooth it is, bro. <laughs> look at it. Look at all the pixels. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. I think, like, a lot of us are ready to to sunset it in some way it's been it's been a i mean for me like i'm probably ready for like another playthrough maybe i don't fucking know i started a new character today it's like a mage character we'll mm -hmm. see we'll see so far it's like simulator of like running away and just rolling constantly like no don't kill me and then just like <laughs> suit shooting shit every once in a while which like is kind of lame not gonna lie um but i'm trying to get to like intelligent swordsman you know moonvales type type thing Mm. Which is just so sad because people complain so much about all the OP shit in that game. They're like, ah, Rivers of Blood is so bullshit. And it's like, yeah, it's really fucking strong. And in fact, bullshit's not a horrible term for it. And then, you know, they feel the same way about Moonvale. But these are both these are both katanas that are like essentially like pivotal katanas in a certain tree. The Rivers of Blood katana is an arcane tree. So it's like arcane decks. And the Moonvale is intelligence decks. And they're both really strong, kind of OP in their own ways. But I also think they look fucking really cool, and I really want to use them. And so it's like this weird combination of, like, the hipster in me is like, nah, man, that shit's OP, bro. You can't use that. And the other part of me is like, yeah, but I think I would actually like that, though. Like, that's kind of my style. It's like you choose your style. I know they just spam it all in multiplayer. That's what everyone complains about. But if you chose the right moment to use your OP tool, that'd be really powerful. Um, <laughs> Here's so a question. Yeah. Are katanas chuggy? <laughs> no they're still cool bro. <laughs> still cool look katanas are not even my favorite weapons in the game but it's like they're here's what i've learned you guys and this is very sad for me to say maybe what you're seeing right now is a broken man? just husk of a man that i used to yeah. be okay but what i have now learned is that there's a certain value in playing that game elden ring the way you want to play it totally support that and like I've done that a lot. I've played it the way I wanted to play it, and I really enjoyed it for the most part. But I'll say, especially if you do any PvP, but even if, like, you want to beat some of these endgame bosses, it's, like, you can beat it your own way. But there's also, like, the game is, like, whispering things to you. And it's, like, how much do you listen? So, for instance, one of the things that whispers to you, Yoke, you should use a katana, bro. These things are hella cool, and there's a bunch of them, and there's a great one for your build. And you're, like, oh, shit there's a great katana for my build and it's like yeah but it's op bro and you're like well okay but like is it cool to look yeah it's really it's really cool bro and it does a ton of damage and you're like well i want to do a ton of damage and like yeah well you have to fucking use me so anyways it's like that happens too and eventually you just come out being like fuck like am i gonna end up just being like the the exact like everyone else in Elden ring i don't know but it's you can feel the path mm -hmm. there's they walks you down that path of like, hey, man, you can play how you want to play. That's nice. But if you want to play the way that we want you to play, you can have big damage numbers. And it's like, I want that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, quite so, honestly, I am just shocked by, I guess, the number of creative weapons that have been out there. Like mm -hmm. to the point where it's like trying to stick with like one weapon almost seems yeah. like you're missing out on like half of what the game has to offer like yeah. i was full ready to just do like a full long sword playthrough again and i feel mm -hmm. like in a game like dark souls one like that's acceptable mm -hmm. but then it's like in this game you're just like oh but this one does this cool thing and this one does this cool thing and this one does that and 
I don't know. I've kind of like amended that whole thing to be like, okay, I'm going to use some of these OP weapons, but I'm not going to use these 50 strength weapons that seem to take like two years to wind up and hit <laughs> <Yeah>. with. <laughs> Just not your style. Oh, no. I when can't, you hit things with them. I can't yeah. time things for shit with heavy weapons. <laughs> it is really sad. <laughs> it's an art. Like, I shit on those people all day long because I have no respect for them is my outward-facing opinion on it. But, like, actually watching some strength people play is, like, really elegant in certain in some senses because they'll be swinging, like, an hour before the opportunity is presented. Right. And then you'll just, like, watch and you'll be like, dude, this guy's, like, about to hit you. And then they're like, wait for it. Like, you know, just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then they hit someone you're like, oh, okay. And their reward is, like, instantly stopping their combo and then just like one comboing yourself you know what i mean just like anyways but yeah it's, it's yeah. like kind of one of my secret guilty pleasures is watching strength people shit on a whole area and then they mm -hmm. get to millennia and then yeah. they're just like i can't <laughs> i can't fight her she's impossible i'm just like mm -hmm. get good <laughs> you need to be a real swordsman I'm, I'm on millennia now and she's tough she's I, tough i, I almost beat her with the giant crusher yeah damn i believe that and and then the 450p and <laughs> <laughs> dude you're on the real hard mode it's so true fuck dude but but what i ended up doing was was not using that um, what'd you use bro i'm curious i used the twin blade with seppuku and bloodhound step on misericord on like a hot swap yep mm. bloodhound step pretty important which i i just used for her waterfell dance attack yeah. Yeah. Is I mean, that the I mean, the sword ball? Yep. Yes, Slash ball. Yes. Yeah. The series of sword balls. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. cool fucking move, and it is a like really cool move to learn how to dodge. And by that I mean watching a YouTube video that explains to you how to dodge it, and then learning how to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but after having done that, dude, it really helps. Like, yeah, she's a really cool boss fight. And in fact, so is Malaketh, which is like kind of. I don't know if it's just the way I did it, but like they're like at similar points in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just like some of the end game bosses are just super cool, super I cool, think, and like the. F What's up? I think I maybe like missed out on Malaketh in some way because I. I dumpstered him pretty early, mm -hmm. and so I didn't really see a lot of what he had to offer. I think in the fight. Mm. Yeah, I completely believe that, and that is so sad because this is it's a cool fucking fight. It's some. I don't know. I just remember, like, because we were playing, it was, like, me, Elena, and then Elena's sister, all on a beanbag chair, all just, like, leaning back. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to do some endgame. And I'm like, all right, I'll do some endgame. And then we get to second phase for Malekith, and Malekith does these, like, jump in the air, like, insane projectile attacks. And I just remember sitting there going, like, oh, my God. And just dying on the spot to just so, so not ready for what it was about to be and just realizing, like, I'm going to... Hey guys, um, can I sit up? <laughs> I'm gonna need to sit up to hit some fucking dodges here. But just really cool. Just really cool fights. Like I don't know. It's it's yeah. Yeah. Those those fights are those fights are really hard and like there are like really cheesy ways to get through them, and then there's also just like if you wanna like learn them and take your time, they're like really cool. And I'm that's why I'm excited for a second playthrough true truthfully, because like you know, like Elena's also just started as well. And we'll see if we're going to do some co-op for her or what she wants to do. Um, but it's like she's fighting, like, some of the base enemies. And I recommend to all of you guys to 
to doing their playthrough at some point, you know, for fun. But like, even just a little bit of it, because you'll look at the early enemies and be like, yo, these guys are fucking easy, bro. <laughs> and you're, you're trying not to like say that, you know, <coughs> excuse me, as I swallow my own spit and then cough. Nice. Um, but like, you know, it's just like you're trying not to like, because in your head, you're like, this is the fucking simplest boss of all time. And you do so much damage. But then in reality, it's like, you know, you're new. And that shit's hard as fuck. And you have to learn. Um, so it's a really fun experience for all of you guys if you start over again. In fact, I'm curious. So did you experience this at all when you switched fucking to, from PC to PS5? Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure with like, I, I think knowing also like having a little bit more of a path established as right. I'm playing of like, okay, like instead of going and wasting my time in these areas where I'm underleveled, I'm going to go south or something like that. But I mean, right. for sure, like a lot of the bosses, um, you know, I either first tried and I mean, even, um, even Margaret, like Margaret was not first try, but Margaret was like within five tries, which beats nice. like, you know, my, I don't know, 20 or 30 attempts I did on my first playthrough. Like, it's like yeah. once you know, like the established patterns of each boss or what each boss's gimmick is, um, I even like felt that when I restarted Dark Souls one, like in right. the middle of my first playthrough of Dark Souls, just how easy it was. Where you're like, "Oh, Taurus Demon, fuck this shit! I yeah, this got this on lock." <laughs> no, and that's fucking. I think that's like the best part. So it's not that like everyone needs to play another playthrough, but I do think like if you haven't recognized how much better you've gotten, if that hasn't really sunk in, try it again. And then you'd be like, fuck, I'm amazing. And that's a nice feeling, at least for a day, you know, because you've earned it. So, right. Mm. It's been mm. interesting watching. Um, it's been interesting watching speedrunners. It seems like the boss RNG in Elden Ring is a lot more varied mm -hmm. than a lot of speedrunners are used to in the previous Souls games. Um, so it's just very interesting to watch them do like playthroughs where they just straight up did die to bosses. Yeah, that's um, hot as fuck for me, to be honest, because I want them to fucking die because I I it's just because I want them to like they make the game look die. easy, you know? Yeah, I want them to die. Yeah, You want them to die. Yeah. Yeah, because this game is designed to kill you and make you learn and get better. And those speedruns are so good. But sometimes, you know what I mean? They're answering the chat in between. And I'm like, pay attention, <laughs> motherfucker. You're about to get slapped. And I just want them to get slapped. And so I'm rooting for, like, the enemies. You know what I mean? <laughs> Although I did see the saddest shit the other day, which was somebody doing an all-remembrances speed run no-hit. Okay. Um, That's sad as fuck. I can already feel it. <laughs> they were down to, like, basically, I think they had, like, two more remembrances before the final boss. And they're going through this area, and they're hiding behind this wall. And an enemy yep. projectile, like, wall clips. Like, it, it yep. goes through the wall <laughs> and, like, hits them behind cover. Like, there was no possible way. It was clearly a game glitch. And they hit. And just, they're three hours into the speed run and just watching them quit out to the menu. I was, like, <laughs> crying yeah. for this dude. I was like, oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. They, they could have picked a game that didn't. I mean, this is, like, a staple of the series. These, yeah. these wall glitch hits like dude they've been there since the very beginning and it's one of those things that like 
I remember when I first started playing being like, this is total bullshit. And it is total bullshit. I don't think that's wrong. But then eventually you get hurt enough. You know what I mean? And you start to like it or what? It's not that you like it or the way that they whip you. But no, no. It's like it's you like the fact that you know that it can go through the wall. So you better not be near the fucking wall. It's like this weird Mm. like it's like, okay, you have in your head this idea of what's fair. As in, this is a fucking wall, okay? It's not fair that you stab me with a fucking spear through the wall. Especially when you can't do it back to them and you stab, like, and they bounce off the wall and you're like, what the fuck? Right? Seems fair. But then eventually I got to this, like, weird fucked up mental space where I was like, they can stab me through walls. So the correct play is to stand away from the walls. And the second I did that and, like, reduced the amount of times getting hit through walls, it was, like, in Dark Souls 1 or something. I just remember, I don't know why it was rewarding. But it's just, it's just a, there's something human about, like, if I go to this area, I better be careful of this particular, you know, colorful stick because it's actually a snake. And you might sit there and go, yo, I think it's super OP that this snake can look like a fucking stick. That's way bullshit. Um, But, like, when you learn, you learn. So, I don't know. That's super fucking sad. I think it's a a mastery thing. It's like, you're, you're learning the rules of this world, and it's particularly surprising when they break the the rules that you expect and it feels good to like leverage your knowledge of these areas where it is breaking the the normal rules yeah like you're redefining the rules and now you're safer still (laughs) that makes (laughs) sense but it's sad as fuck though yeah i've been watching some speedruns too uh, basically after zoe talked about how cool they were and yeah they are cool they're cool it's just i don't know just like it's a weird way to see the game Mm -hmm. like like, you'll sit there and you'll be like, all right, I'll just put on a speed run, you know, while I'm working or whatever, and I'll see what happens. You'll watch it, like, you know, with your intention and, like, oh, shit. Hello? Um, hello? 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 <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I, doesn't I don't matter. know. <laughs> um, but you'll watch it with, like, focus and, you know what I mean, for, like, 10 minutes. And then you're like, oh, I've got to do something. All right, I'll be back. And you'll be back. And I'm like, they're at Endgame? <laughs> like, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Although there's been a conversation about how long uh, or, like, at what point does a speed run, like, become not even enjoying the game? Like, have you mm-hmm. seen this? Like, have no. you seen the world record for uh, any percent glitch speed run? I, th- I feel like I saw a headline somewhere that it was, like, minutes, wasn't it? It was, like, six minutes or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Seven yeah. Minutes. Wow. But, like, so I didn't see it, what? but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is it, it a, is it a warp glitch or what is it? Yeah, like? it's a it's a warp glitch though, and you like basically you don't interact with any content of the game besides fighting the final boss. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it's still ridiculous. Where it's just like, okay, like at what point is this actually a speed run? Like it it just sparks a whole conversation of at what point is it actually a speed run if you don't even like engage with the game at all as you're like going throughout the world. It's very and, and interesting. That- and I think that is a really interesting conversation because, like, that's been with all sorts of speedrunning games forever because, like, that's what the any percent category basically is. It's just, like, this crazy grab bag of, like, all of these games in the world that exists. How do we get to the end the fastest way possible? I don't even care if you break the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? And so it's, like, some of those speedruns you look at and you're like, this is no- nothing. There's nothing here. But, but it's impressive that the humans figured out how to break it in such a way also. So it's like, maybe it's fun to discover it. I don't know if it's fun to run it, but, but some people enjoy that. So it's just like, there's all that. It's, it's a, 
I don't know. It's a very interesting conversation. Because the other thing is like, there's a lot of stuff that people will like, because the speedrun path is not designed. I mean, some of these games like to help the speedrunners a little bit here and there. But like at the end of the day, it's like, it's designed by divine forces or something, right? It's like what glitches you can find unless it's a glitchless run. And so it's like some speedruns are just super cool and some are like, well, you mean you just beat the game in two seconds? Because it turns <laughs> out if you just walk backwards and you, like there was one speedrun I watched where I was like, all right, so they put you out of the cave, right? It was an Oblivion, uh, like, copycat. And it's like, it was called Two Worlds. Mm, not sure if it was called Two Worlds. Sound, I think it is, not sure. But anyways, point is, you walk out of the cave and which is a tutorial basically and you just turn around instead of the way you're supposed to go normally you just turn around and you find the final boss of the whole game at a village right there <laughs> and you can't kill him but if you get him to accidentally hit a villager every villager yes, yeah you're seeing this one now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so at the end of the day that just is the speed run nobody meant for it to be but it, it, it just is and so i don't know so it's like that's that's where i think it's actually kind of interesting when you think of like Elden Ring coming out and all of the Dark Souls speedrunners want this to be amazing but at the end of the day do you really get to decide what the speedrun is does anyone get to decide what the speedrun is this is just gonna be the speedrun attached to Elden Ring so mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. it's 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 fascinating that, but that's also the reason why people change their categories too that's some people are like all remembrances bro because I don't want to use that bullshit I want to play the game you know right but then in that, they're like, and so because I want to play the game, because I'm that much better than everyone else, I am going to find this way to upgrade this weapon to level 1,000 at the first 10 seconds of the game, and then I'm going to one-shot every boss because I actually wanted to play the game. You're like, okay. <laughs> 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 and so I don't know. That's just, it's, just, it's just what it is. Well, and with I've, all the patches coming out that rebalance weapons and everything, right? I mean, it kind of also messes a lot with the speedrun routing. I, I think that's the thing that's been so fun about watching all Remembrance speedruns is just that the the paths and the runs so far are so varied between speedrunners for what is considered OP and not. Right. So. I don't know. And then, and then I think like people are also adding on to that of like, okay, well we can do all remembrances or we can do like level one only all remembrances. That's like the, thing, right. the big one Fuck. right now. So level so, one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so Is that what that they call it? RL one? Is that ruin level one? Oh, that That's probably disgusting. is. Fuck. Maybe. It's disgusting. <laughs> I hate that. I did try to, I, I, was trying to watch uh, Distortion do a torch-only yep. run. He was getting yep. wrecked by Millennia, though, with a torch-only run. Yeah. Level one torch-only. <laughs> Dude, I saw a fucking great YouTube video where this guy was like, I'm doing a torch-only run. And then he was like, but I'm not using this torch because it's total bullshit. And I was like, what? There's like an OP torch? This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually not using a torch because it was too good. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, like... But what you're not, you're not only watching speedrunning live, which is super interesting and super cool, but you're watching like the origination of everything. Like people are trying to figure this game out. It's the same thing with builds. It's the same thing with everything. Like it's all just being figured out live. And that's, you know, part of the reason why we played it on release, but it's just so different. I've never actually like been in all of this fervor for any of these games before. Hmm. I've always, like, come back to them afterwards. Has anyone else? Yeah, is that true for you too, Raphael? Like, have you ever been at, El you know, an Elden Ring game at the beginning? Hmm. 
Uh, I mean, definitely not for a Souls-like. Mm-hmm. I think there are some games where I've done that, like Don't Starve Together was one of them, mm-hmm. where I was like, I, I think I got into the very early like beta and early access of it, and I actually like argued for some of the mechanics that ended up returning to the game, I guess. Oh, that's cool. Like when it's still being developed in essence, right? Yeah. See, that's nuts. We live in such a weird world where like people can make cases about shit and like it happens in good ways and it happens in bad ways. You know, like Riot will change their entire game based on a Reddit thread, which, you know, (laughs) might not be the best way, but sometimes it is. They're listening to the fans. I know, I know. The amount of people I talk to in Valorant, they're like, I'm just so happy they listen to us. And I'm like, I've talked to all of you and I am not happy that they listen to any of you. Yeah, for real. I'm like, I'm on, I'm literally on the other side of that. Like, I think, I think you should listen sometimes. But then I think you should ignore 99.9% of everything that's said about your game uh, in terms of like what you should do. Um, like I I don't think that uh like listening to the fans is an inherently valuable thing as a dev. Um I think it can be good, but it is it doesn't have any inherent value to me. Yeah. It feels like dude if you, if you really are the expert in the design of this game, like you probably ought to be. Mhm. Is a random idea shot off the fucking bow, you know, just like from the hip, you know, just like Western style, like just like a quick six shot ideas on Reddit. Is like, is that really what you want to like influence you if it doesn't make sense in like your model of the game? So I think like when it is done well, usually this takes the form of trying to understand what the pain points for the players are. Right. Yeah. And so people will be suggesting things and a developer or community manager that's reading that will be like, trying to read between the lines there and be like, okay, but what are they actually upset about? Right. And is that something that we can do better? Right. Yeah. And actually Elden Ring did this a little bit um, in their own special way, because one of the things they did with their most recent patch, which, you know, it still has left a lot to be desired in terms of where people want the game to go. Of course that's fair, but they were like, Oh, rivers of blood is bullshit. Like this is bullshit. That's bullshit. And so they were like, like one of the one of the examples is they said um glenstone pebble for the sorcery class it's just it does so much damage and it's so efficient mana wise and it's so fast to cast like why would you cast anything else and so they were like okay we have decreased the cast time and increased the effectiveness of every other spell <laughs> and so that's them actually sitting there and going the pain point is that you want to use other spells, right? Like you want to use other spells, but you can't because this one's just like too versatile. So then what if we made the other ones versatile too, as opposed to the most obvious thing, which would be nerf the actual thing itself that's OP. And so it's like they're trying to get, you know what I'm saying? Like to the pain point of like, this one's just so versatile and fun, which is, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it, I wouldn't exactly say Glintstone Pebble's fun, um, especially from my playing it today. I was like, wow, you can miss this thing? This sucks. Like, I'm shooting at it, like, locked on. Like, this fucking blows, but whatever. Um, but it's like that, that, that it's, it's what Raphael's talking about. They're trying to get to the core of, like, what does this actually mean? And, yeah, yeah I appreciate that more. 
for sure. Like, I think the real problem they have with Elden Ring right now, balance-wise, I think it's essentially, like, one thing. I mean, it might be more than that. I'm, I'm not, like, super, super fucking balls deep in all the balance, but I've been playing a lot of PvP lately, which is hilarious. Um, but I think it's Bloodhound Step. I think Bloodhound Step is, like, a fundamental, like, problem with the game because it's it's the bridge between pvp and pve in a way that's really unhealthy i think bloodhound step exists so that you can have really really powerful pve experiences where you like are able to dodge insane shit that bosses do like millennia's attack but also other things like there's a hidden boss that has like lightning and it's fucking nuts um and like it's it's really powerful to have bloodhound step to do that and the distance it covers and the iframes it gives you is is unbelievable okay but then and, and it's super badass in a pve context like it feels amazing like you fe it feels like you're matrix dodging you know what i mean where you like bend over backwards and dodge bullets in slow motion it's like it's just badass okay but then in pvp it breaks the whole balance of the game which is if you get someone to roll because rolling is like insane iframes and in pvp it's like i don't it's, it's partially a netcode thing but people just get like the most disgusting amount of iframes for rolling. It's like if they hit roll like anywhere even like remotely near <laughs> the thing that they need to dodge, it's like the freest dodge of their life. But you can roll catch, which means if you throw out an attack, not at them, but wait during their roll animation and then throw it out afterwards, it's trying to get them on the way up. That little pause between rolls, if you throw that out and you roll catch them with like a running light attack or something or whatever you have, then that's how you actually hit people in PvP. It's like you run at them as if to be attacking. You get them to panic roll. The second they panic roll, you go for a roll catch. That's like a huge core part of the PvP aspect is fainting as if you're going to do something. The second you see them panic rolling, don't panic swing, but rather like chase after them and punish them. So Bloodhound Step, there is no way to roll catch it at all. It is it is just for the freest dodge, and it gets so far away from you that there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter how light you are. It doesn't matter how fast you can run. It doesn't matter how far your R1, like like running light attack is. There is no way to catch them, and they can stack them on top of each other. So there's basically, like, no place they can really be hit, like, during the whole sequence. So they just kind of, like, run around doing this, and you're sitting there like, what the fuck? And you're trying to swing at them, and you're trying to do all these catches, and there's basically no way you can catch it. And on top of that... It, it like, kind of complements the, like, next problem, I would say, which is that they put some of the, like, best moves in the game on the, like, out-of-roll, like, attack sort of place, which you can get mm. to by crouching, which is really powerful. So now you can do, like, a move that used to cost a roll, which was also a reposition, which is also stamina and roll catchable, all on this, like, move, basically, like, that comes out of that. But now you can do it from Crouch, so that's insane. But you can also do it from Bloodhound Step. So Bloodhound Step has none of the weaknesses a roll does. <laughs> and you can do these fucking nuts moves. Like, for instance, uh, the Greatsword, which is a colossal sword. <laughs> uh, notable for Raphael found this early, respect to that. Because um, that shit is fucking OP as shit because the rolling attack, which is a poke, is faster than a scimitar light attack. It's faster than a scimitar light attack. It has four times as much range. It has the stagger of a scimitar great sword. Scimitar being a light sword. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, being the lightest uh, sword. I mean, it's is like it dude, not a curved sword. It's a curved sword. Yeah, it but it's sword. so. This is I'm describing this for somebody who has not played this game. Like, it's it's a light sword, right? It's not that heavy. And then, so an extraordinarily heavy, very long sword being faster than it is ridiculous. <laughs> it's faster. It has more reach. It does more damage. Yeah, and it has it does more stagger. And right. all of this together is not only doable after a roll, which is something you're trying to punish. Like you you run at this great sword guy, you bait him into rolling, then he responds with like the best move in the game and it dumpsters you and you're like, well, that didn't seem fair. And that's already OP as it is. And then he bloodhound steps and does the same thing. You're like, oh God. And dude, I've faced these guys in PvP and I swear I don't even hit these guys. I don't even hit them one time with anything I can do. And so please write in if you have an answer for this. I would love to dumpster these kids. Um, but like, dude, seriously, it is insane. But I but I see their pain because in PvE, Bloodhound Step is so awesome. It's so awesome. So I don't know exactly what the answer is. I think there's something along the lines of like maybe make it more expensive mana-wise. Maybe give it more punishable opportunities. I'm not sure. Do something. But dude... You can Bloodhound step. People with reasonable mana pools, they still have like a gajillion health and a gajillion endurance and a gajillion whatever their damage that is. And then they have a couple points in mind, like 20 or something, you know what I mean? It's not that insane. And they will Bloodhound step for a minute straight. That's just a minute straight of you sitting there being like, looking at your watch, like I can't hit this guy. <laughs> and at any point in time, they can hit you with an insane move. So yeah, watch that space. Um, Listen, uh, hear my complaint and then understand the key point of my frustration and then go behind my words and figure out how to solve it. But and buff Bloodhound step. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that great sword attack is uh, pretty, pretty broken. Yeah. I think I was saying that I mean, you can also do it out of crouching. And so I was curious, like, is this good? And so I was using it against some enemies and just like, Crouch attack, crouch attack, crouch attack. And they just couldn't do anything, and then they died after, like, three. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's... Like, you know that... Like, well, this this feels bad to use. <laughs> you, you know that meme where it's the sweaty fucking gamer, and there's, like, sweat pouring down his face, and he's, like, clicking hella hard, like, and he's, like, mashing his keyboard and shit? Like, that's what it is to be playing, like, decks and trying to dodge all of their fucking attacks, like, perfect frame, dodging everything, and it's just the strength guy walks in, and he just crouch... Light attacks, <laughs> light attacks, light attacks, and that thing dies, and it just, it just hurts my feelings. But what I love about the invasion PvP is that I get to like go walk around on everyone's sign and see who the person is that I'm gonna that I'm gonna summon. And if they're holding one of those things, I'm like, do I feel like losing and trying to practice something, or do I feel like just walking away from this sign? And a lot of times, I just walk away from that sign, like. <laughs> Yo, fuck that weapon, man. It's insane. It's insane, especially because all the things I like to do are roll catch moves. Like, I like double scimitar or I like katanas because I'm apparently just a katana user and my IQ is super low, but mm -hmm. <laughs> see a Bubble Boys video, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, you guys. I guess I, I guess I, this is all just a segue into like, and please jump in to do whatever, but I just, you know, I've been playing some Elden Ring PvP and it's been fun. What I will say, you guys, here's the learning, though, is that PvP, like, there's two different types of it. There's the duel, which is kind of like 1v1, which is like, hey, I'm going to summon this guy. And there's like unspoken rules to that, which is like, 
give your give a little bit of distance to your opponent when you start because they spawn into your world. It's like this very weird. It's not matchmaking. It's not even. It's like you are literally like summoning someone, and it's the same way as like if you go outside the fucking Colosseum where the the Alexander Shard guy is. It's like they spawn in. You know what I mean? Like you could hit them right there, and that'd be a super lame thing to do. Um, but so typically, like you give them some space. You both bow, and I think as the host, you want to, like, bow first because you're, like, free to move around. So you want to, like, bow right away with some distance to them to show, like, hey, I'm being respectful. Um, and then the other thing is it's no Estus, no heal. And so it's, like, kind of like a war of attrition, but you can't heal. So it's just, like, I guess just bow to the death. Maybe it's not a war of attrition. Maybe it's the wrong word. Um, and I will say, like, this is fun, but... It's a little like one tricky where it's kind of like, oh, he has that. And you notice that because he hits you with it for the first time because you haven't seen it before. And then it does seven eighths of your health. And you're like, okay, so I can't heal. So I'd like to learn how to avoid that move. But there's nothing. If I literally get clipped with anything, I just die. And so if you like that sort of style, it can be fun, like when you, especially when you've learned a lot of things. But what I will say, I discovered that it's fucking rad as hell is invasion combat. Now, invasions are 100% where it's at. And that's the other thing, which is basically like, okay, there's all sorts of different forms of this. It's very like amorphous and very like anything goes. But okay, let's say you're a host, right? And then you get Gabe, for example, which is what I did, to join my game. And he's in the process of giving me 17 versions of the most OP weapon in the game because I am feeling inadequate facing millennia, right? And he's giving me that with his 17 characters that are all max level that have, like, just way too many... Dude, <laughs> at one point, he tried to give me Rivers of Blood, and then he got disconnected, and his game crashed, and it lost in the server, and that was sad. But but okay, so that happens, right? Gabe's there. And you're swapping items with each other because actually what was really happening is I was help, helping him ferry items between his characters. Everything's nice. Then someone comes in, right? They The second you bring someone into your game, you are now open to anyone invading you. One person invading you. And so... One person can go and try to kill you and be on the side of the enemies. So now the all of the enemy creatures will not attack them. They will help them, in essence, kill you and your friend. So it's this like totally different balance of the game. And they've had this for a while, apparently, but I've just never really done much of it. And so then, as the host, you can do a couple more things. One, you can just 2v1 this guy and try to fuck his shit up. This happens all the time. It's pretty normal. The other thing you can do is you can get a blue which is like this covenant. They've had this for a while. There's like covenant that can help people that are getting invaded. It's like this honorable, like, you know, sometimes like religious connotation, like covenant style thing where it's like, hey, so then you invade someone, right? And you roll up and they've got three people. It's the host, their friend, and then a blue. And then they are facing you. And so it's this 3v1 and it's disgusting. It's evil. Like just a 3v1 someone is, I mean, I know we watched some videos and they were hilarious, but like, dude, seriously, like normally, like, especially like you'll walk in and there'll be like three rivers of blood users and they'll just all spam that. And you are not living through that. There is no <laughs> sick roll sequence that gets you out of that. Um, but what I learned you can do is as the host, there's an item you can use that allows a second invader to come in. And all of a sudden what happens is it's you and your friend and then there's an invader that comes in and then you use this item and now there's a second invader and that's the total is it becomes 2v2. And basically, because it's the host that does this, when you invade, a lot of people don't do this shit. 
like a lot of people just want to 3v1 you and they want to like just basically teabag your corpse, which is fine, I guess. Um, but for me, when I'm running it, he I... He says as he sighs. <laughs> as it hurts my feelings. Yeah. Isn't there a separate kind of invasion as well that invades in parallel with a normal invader? That is like one you get from Volcano Manor, I think. Interesting. I wonder if I have this. What is it? I, I'm trying to look it up. That's what I was using to invade. And so I every invasion I did, I had a fellow invader. Oh, see, that's cool. Is that what these people are using to get into my game when I open the, like, Probably. Taunter's Tongue? Maybe. Okay. Because here's the thing. Basically, like, <laughs> well, what game would I would do? And I would recommend this to everyone because this is absolutely the most fun way to play PvP ever. Ever. Is basically, like, you and your, like, friend emote in such a way. We, we do back-to-back, like, emotes where you're, like, leaning on each other's backs. It's the dumbest shit. But it's like you roll up to us. Because they can see where the host is. It, it's like a, it's a, like, you know, on their compass. Shows you where you are. So they come straight to you. And it's both of us leaning back to back. Like, look at this person like, what's up? And they're like, oh, fuck. And they usually start emoting back because they realize, like, this is about to be a 2v1. But then we find a bunch of people that are, like, pretty cool. And we'll, like, emote and chill. And then, like, they'll ask for 1v1s through emotes and stuff. And we'll give them, like, maybe they'll face Gabe or whatever. But what I always do is I always, like, rip the tauntress tongue, which is the thing that means another person comes in. And the second I do that and they see that, if they know, they are, like, your homies for life. Because what you just did is you gave them a teammate. And you're like, let's make this fun, bro. And so you rip that thing, and they look at you like, oh, my God. And I've had so many people just emote, emote and just sit down and be like, yo, let's wait for another person. Let's 2v2. And then just everyone just sits there. It's like an enemy and you two sitting there in a fucking fire, like, around a circle, like a circle around a fire, just chilling waiting for another guy to come in. The other guy comes in, he rolls up. Oh my God, there's three people. Holy shit. And then we're like, everyone all emoting each other. Like, yo, we're about to do 2v2. Anything goes. And they're just like, oh my God, yes. Yes. And then we just go to fucking town on each other. It's fucking insane. And the thing is, if they kill me, the host, they get a rune arc, which is a really powerful item. It's something that is limited and it's something you want to get. Um, and so it's like, they know, like I am giving them the opportunity to get this rune arc. And we, so we can have a fair fight. And dude, we were doing this in a couple of areas and people would literally invade us over and over and over again. The same people. Because they knew like, if I can get these guys, it'll be a fair fight. It'll be fun. It'll be anything goes. Estus allowed. Everything's allowed. And dude, we were playing hours of the same people invading us over and over and over again and emoting like, yo, what's up, dude, every time. And then we just like fucking duel. Because it's like, the alternative is like, so at first I was like, it's so stupid that they allow 3v1s. Like, who wants to have, like, three people just destroy you? But what it actually is, is maybe that's fun for some. But it it's a way for me as the host to signify, yo, we're not lame. Like, come here for a fair fight. And you can get a rune arc, maybe. And, dude, we were creating, like, crazy fight clubs. And people were rolling in with different builds and, like, showing up. Dude, people were, like, coming in with, like, different characters. <laughs> like, their other characters are rolling in trying to invade us. And it was just so much fun. So that's the fucking way to do it is is 2v2 invasions. It is so fun. And Estusing is allowed. All spells are allowed. Everything is allowed. So they clip you with your trick, right? They It turns out they can actually send lightning out of the sky with their weapon. You had no idea that was true. They do that, and you're like, oh, fuck, and it almost kills you. But then you get away. You run away. You Estus. You come back. Now you're like, okay, nice trick. But I'm not falling for that again. And everyone's doing this on each other. So they're all switching weapons and shit, trying to, like, figure out what to do to, like, fucking catch each other off guard. It's insanely fun. Um, so, yeah, that's a long rant, but greatly recommended. Super fun. 2v2 is everything. Because 1v1 is, like, so, like, 
if you're not the best mechanically at the game, you just get destroyed. But in this, I'm common to game like, yo, Gabe, like we're going we're going hard on your guy in in two seconds. I'm coming. And so I just like I'm fighting my guy. We're like trading back and forth. I asked this, he asked this is, we're not sure what to do. I just start sprinting. And all of a sudden, I'm running straight for the guy that Gabe's one wanting. And then that guy like sees us over the side. He's like locked on to Gabe, but he sees me running and he just goes, oh shit. And then Gabe just starts like dragon breathing that guy. And I just start sprinting after him. Meanwhile, the guy who's chasing me like, fuck, 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 I need to help my friend. And all of a sudden it's just like organic chaotic battle. And honestly, it's so fun. So that's my shout out for that. Definitely do invasion 2v2 if you're looking for PVP. The dual shits, it's okay, but it's like the solo queue version where it's just kind of like, you can be putting up against someone and he'll have an OP build and he'll one shot you if you want. Or you can do 2v2s with your friend and it's just, it's awesome. So Okay, so the item I was talking about is the, the recusant finger and apparently the way it works is it prioritizes invasion as a second invader into some, like an instance where the host has used the taunter's tongue. Okay. Um, but it can also just be a first invader. Cool. Cool. That's sick. Yeah. That sounds like so much fun, dude. Is Gabe joining for the Elden Ring farewell next week? Yeah, I think so. That's gonna be. Yeah, fun. I was. I was gonna say maybe we should talk about some other games because we have all of next week to talk about Elden Ring <laughs> some more. It's true. It's true. It's true. I just wanted to give Elden Ring a shout out because, and I will say to anyone who wants to learn Elden Ring PvP. It's very, very straightforward in that it is the most complicated, convoluted bullshit ever. But the way in is there's a guy on YouTube called Chase the Bro. Okay? Chase the Bro. And he is the most happy-go-lucky, never-tilted, like, pure force of positivity invader guy I've ever seen. And he loves every trick that everyone shows at him. And every time they 3v1 him, he loves it. It's this weird thing, and it's not fake. Like, it's real. And he is the best PvP player I have ever seen. And it's not even close. He is unfucking believably good. The amount of time that he literally 1v3s people and kills all three of them. So, like, he'll kill the first guy, then kill the second guy, and then the host will just start running. Like, out of pure fear. Like, oh, fuck. Like, this guy's going to murder me. And he chases that guy down and kills him. Um, but he shows you how to hit someone in PvP because the hitboxes are different. And everything you kind of learned in the game still applies but it's desynced in some weird netcode world i don't know how to describe that but watch him and watch how he's this amazing like 20 minute youtube videos where he cuts up his stream and like shows you the highlights but it's just a really good job but watch him hit people and you'll notice why is he hitting people so often and i'm not and that is literally the the fucking textbook for hitting people in pvp in pvp i said that wrong but it's the exact textbook so check that out it is awesome so fun um and after studying that i was able to kill some people it's like a fucking success story after studying chase the pros youtube videos i was able to hit people in pvp but actually though and it's awesome so you should start this course on skillshare (laughs) you did me right yeah (laughs) good point okay i'm done i give the floor um but that's elden ring corner for me at least yep (laughs) elden ring corner (laughs) thank you for that thank you Rafael, what have you been up to right Surely you've been playing something outside of Elden Ring, huh? So, I played the rest of Spirit Fair. Okay. Hey, uh, I did because too. Because <laughs> I thought, like, because everything so far of the structure of it had suggested that, like, the the emotional payoffs are at the end of the arcs, I was like, well, I've already done the two weeks of this. I should just do the rest and see how it goes. And 
that turned out to be correct. Um, I don't think it changes my, my rating of the game, but there was some nice stuff they did with the story. Um, and then, because I was only one achievement short of 100%ing it, I started a new game and tried to speed run. Of <laughs> Spearfarer? Oh my god. <laughs> the speed run sealed lips. The sealed lips achievement. Which what does that involve? Getting lips? to Giovanni and Astrid and not telling on Giovanni. Oh. Mm. Wait, and so how did you get Elena in a static mood? Because I didn't get like the achievement of making every every uh, boat person uh, elated because Elena was never I don't know what I did for her, but I do remember that you had to not hug her. Oh. I didn't hug her either, but she was still, I guess, not happy with me enough. Maybe well, I need to fickle. fail at some... <laughs> did you get Jackie? <laughs> yeah, I did. So, like, that that's what I was going to say because, like, yeah, I finished Spiritfarer as well and it's just, like, I... I liked, I liked kind of the last boat people that you take on, and Jackie's kind of one of the last people. And I, I really liked his story and his sto- uh, his character arc, and whatnot. Um, I did make him elated. He was happy with me, which is good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, I don't know. Like, I, I think, like middle of Spearfair was when I was taking on a lot of what I would consider like the boat passengers that were like the least likable. And even Jackie for a time is least likable. But I think mm-hmm. it was balanced out by the fact that I had Buck on my boat. And Buck is just a D&D nerd who role plays with you a lot. And he made up for the fact that... uh, he, I don't know. He, he just made up for the fact that everyone else was like a grumpy Gus for most of the time. <laughs> a grumpy Gus, okay. Yep. <laughs> I also liked uh, Daria's storyline. That one was really interesting. Yeah, that's like the oh god, that was like the the trippy the trippy bat. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She like, I guess for like McCoy and James, like mm. Daria is a patient of a hospital that you're like slowly renovating throughout the game. Like you you show up at this hospital and it's like really run down. It's like a shithole pretty much. And you kind of buy these improvements via a vending machine and kind of make the hospital better. Um, but Daria is like one of the patients there. And she, I think it's it's clearly, I say clearly, but it's kind of inferred that she has some like some sort of mental illness. Hmm. or Yeah, it's not sort. really clear what, but maybe something involving hallucinations, unclear. Something like psychosis or hallucinations, yeah. Um, but basically, like, a lot of her things are, like, she she communicates. I, I think it says, actually, there's, like, a fun fact that, like, she has synesthesia, which is, like, she can hear colors. Yeah. Um, and see. so um, you will, like, play your guitar for her. And suddenly your screen just becomes this, like, total trip fest. Like, it's that kaleidoscope, like, very colorful effect as you have to do, like, this platforming puzzle. As And she, like, kind of retells her story of, like, trying to, I guess, come to terms with her own psychosis and, like, learning to live with it and be okay with it. 
it's actually like really beautifully written and done. Like it's mm. it's a very um I don't know. I I feel like the writing was very flowery in some parts where it's just like I don't know, like it it's writing meant to be, I guess, vague and uh evocative. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Raphael posted a photo in the Discord of like this trippy <laughs> and trippy it's like all shifting like constantly. Right. It is hmm. uh quite the quite the experience. Do you think this is a DLC character? Is that possible? Mm. Uh I think Jackie and Dario were the last two characters added to the game. Mm-hmm. That was like with the release of Farewell Edition. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. That part was really cool though. I really liked that. So I cool. guess like the the like plot and the setting of the game starts to make a lot more sense as you get to the end as well. Um right. So I guess like spoilers for listeners, spoilers for McCoy and James if they don't want to hear it, but I I think I'm given what it. I've heard so far from you, you probably are fine with hearing it go for it um i think the 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 background story is stella has been diagnosed with some terminal condition and she is in the hospital and the the game is sort of a a metaphor for her saying goodbye to her family members and her friends and the other people in the hospital that she has been talking to while she's been there wow and it turned out like at the end as you see the the credits roll like almost all of the characters are based on somebody that the developers are like that knew that died and so they're they're kind of an homage to their their lost friends mm-hmm. dude this mm-hmm. game really like starts cheery and chill and then like circles in on just sad as fuck is that wrong mm- yeah yes that is wrong <laughs> so i think it was but i don't think it was sad as fuck i think it it took a really like it 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 did a really good job of looking at like not just the sadness of it but also the the gratitude of like knowing those people and remembering like your experiences with them yeah Mm -hmm. and that's it's not just sad like it's melancholy i guess sure there there's a a bit of happiness to it as well. Mm-hmm. Melancholy. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, kind of okay. sitting here like, damn, I wish they put the story of the game in the game, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> that's why I said, like, I, I don't think it changes my rating of the game, but it really reinforced the, like, I see the game it could have been, and I'm, I'm like, still very frustrated that it, it didn't get there. Hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. okay here's a, a related question it's like a philosophical question um but hear me out i think it was my mom actually that told me this one time but i, I remember asking her like what what is it like like mentally to get older do you know what i mean and i don't think i don't think i asked the question in exactly that way but like what changes you know what changes in your perspective is what i mean to say i don't mean like oh cool you're like like worse at math or something or, or slower or something no, i just mean like what changes in your perspective? And what she was trying to communicate to me was like, things become less one-dimensional emotionally. 
she was like, when you're a kid, it's like you just have a reaction to something and you feel that and that's the way you feel about it. This is bad. This is good. This is sad. This is happy. And she's like, as an adult, things come more in pairs or even more dimension than that, where it's like, it's this melancholy you're trying to describe of like, well, that is really sad, but it's also really happy too. And she was trying to explain like, that's what it is to get older is to see the, the sort of like different dimensions that come along with things and Mm -hmm. not just react. And I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to know if you guys have felt that, but what I would say is like using that model, I've looked a lot at life and like also just like at stuff like Twitter and like social media and things where people have such a, such a seemingly violent single reaction emotionally to things. And it feels so juvenile to me now in that model that my mom gave me. And I'm just wondering if you guys have experienced that at all. Cause that's definitely something I'm starting to experience as I've gotten older is that melancholy and, and what that actually means. And I don't think that was as clear to me as a kid. And I feel like that's what they're trying to get at here in this game. Is that fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I would even say like the game kind of like called me out at times uh, with like how I was feeling towards the game like specifically like with Jackie's character like Jack I realized like Jackie was like um basically how I was feeling as the player taking care of all these people on the boat which is like Jackie is like an orderly at a hospital as well Hmm. except that Jackie doesn't have the compassion that Stella has like basically whenever any patients like mean to him he's like mean right back and actually at times he's like downright abusive Hmm. to a lot of the patients but i came to realize that this was like the game calling me out for like being angry at like having to take care of uh bruce and mickey and everything with like being like these people fucking suck they hate me they like they gaslight the fuck out of me i hate them i want them off my boat and then jackie's like i don't understand how you can do this stella they suck they're so mean to you and i'm like fuck i'm jackie shit (laughs) dude that's what i was feeling when you guys were describing like the the like certain like annoying characters and stuff like that like the fucking hummingbird and the giant creature or whatever the fuck like that yeah Mm -hmm. but it's like it's annoying and it's like easy for us as critics to be like well i don't like the annoying thing fair super fair take but I feel like it was trying to make a statement of, like, some characters and some people are annoying. Like, can you find compassion for them, too? And will you miss mm-hmm. them when they're gone? Right. Hmm. Yeah. And it was definitely the game just being like, how dare you not have compassion? I'm just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should write a letter. Clearly not. I'm clearly not cut out for hospital work is what this game is. <laughs> Me. <laughs> exactly i work at a computer for a reason okay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, dude but like it's weird because like the game itself has so much gaminess and so much other things going on but then the stories you guys tell of it are quite powerful i think mm-hmm. and hinting at mm. some real lessons in life and that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean i think like in the the last episode we had on it you said like maybe you wouldn't think the the game that i thought it could be would be the best but i, I think i actually am probably more aligned with you than you think like i hmm. i think it should have focused on the storylines and the characters and the dialogue more 
Yeah, I because think... that was really where the potential of the game was. That's super fair. Then maybe we are more aligned than I thought. I think I was just assuming that you wanted more optimization. You know what I mean? I mean, I I wouldn't complain about having some automation. <laughs> Listen, optimize a couple of things for me on the lay. You know, when you're writing some more character lines, would you like? <laughs> you make it a little more. But zen. I mean, I, I think like that aspect of the game just was clearly not designed to have the level of depth that I I like in such things, and I I can recognize that and like be like, okay, like this is just not where they're trying to go the game and that's fine like i have mm-hmm. other games for that hmm. um but like the the storyline and the characters i i don't know of something that does does it this way i guess hmm. mm-hmm. and it's Eddie mccoy so what ran around this time was it audacity that crashed was it I don't know, like a, a vacuum upstairs? Uh, no. Um, was it McCoy accidentally doxing a friend of ours? <laughs> Again. <laughs> okay, not entirely, but I did say someone's name associated with something that maybe they didn't want to be associated with because, you know, they have a life and it doesn't have to be uh, the narrative that I, that I make out of it. So um, I'm going to throw some beeps in here over their name, and it may or may not make total sense to you, but I think the gist is still there, and it's still funny and stuff and fun, so, hey, um, but yeah, so, you know, surprise, uh, it's been another year, if you're looking at the calendar, McCoy's dog, someone again on the podcast, so, anyways, um, you know, write your mom an email or something, it's her birthday or something, it's been a year, anyways, uh, take care of yourself, alright, uh, we'll get into it. Yo, yo, wait, 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 one last thing that's hilarious is not only did I dox this motherfucker, but then at the same time, and you'll hear it too in a second, everyone else just starts doxing this motherfucker too because I started it and it's my, it was unfortunate, but God, listening back and editing this, it's hilarious because it's like, I go for it and I'm like, whatever, and then everyone else just starts going for it and it's just like everybody gets a piece of it, so, you know, it's a team effort and I appreciate it and that's why at TOT, teamwork is, is king, it's supreme, um, and sometimes we all paddle down the wrong, uh, down the wrong river there. <laughs> check it out, check it out. You got it. It's funny though. Okay, a little bit of a tangent, but you know what that makes me think of? We need to get. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he would have liked this game, or at least had interesting opinions on this game. I only think of that because I think of Slime Rancher and I think of like other games. You know, I just feel like for some reason this is in that sphere to me. I don't know why. He also messaged me recently about an anime that was filled with characters that fight with their butts. And <laughs> that could be why I was reminded of him also. I have a friend who watched that anime. <laughs> what 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 anime is this? I, I'm only asking for a friend. Yeah, you're asking for a friend, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't remember. So Do you know? allegedly this is an anime about no. <laughs> uh, allegedly. I I legitimately have not watched this anime, but um, it's like it's like a, a high school but like fighting anime except the fighting is this like contest it's like wrestling except it's you just like hit each other with your ass like like only only hip checks are allowed are these kids 18 <laughs> it's anime they are just it, no. amorphously i assume no Okay, I don't want to watch this anime then. I lied. Yeah, well, the first thing he was like, yo, um, 
you might like this anime. It's about butts attacking each other. And I was like, is it an anime or is it a, quote, anime? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And he was like, no, it's an anime. And I was like, there's other words for these types of things. And it's okay for us to say them out loud to each other. And he was just like, no, no, it's an actual anime. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but apparently it is ridiculous and some bullshit. So... Wait, can we get a name? I, I, you know, listen, I'll find a name. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Because it's just—it's not no fair idea. that we mentioned such a thing. And not... I don't know. Like, told me about it, but he didn't—he didn't say the name. I think. Okay, I think he. Liked and it. I actually, I, I think I told it's him like to tell a le- you about it. Oh, that's a legitimate awesome. meme. I, I was like, I think community. McCoy would enjoy knowing that this exists. I do. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Let's see if I can get a. I mean, fucking... we need to have on the podcast just to. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need. Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. Okay, how do I pronounce this? It's episode one. <laughs> Setuchi Kaijo. Okay, S E T O U C H I space K E I J O. Training school! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Because <laughs> senpais are involved. You fucking knew that already. You didn't even have to ask. Um. And hopefully they notice you. Okay. All right. Um. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We should just do a watch party of that. That'd be a that'd be an interesting oh, week. No. Oh, oh no. Oh my Give god. An anime blog. Let's go. I'm not afraid. I am afraid. I am very afraid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All I'm um, picturing is like watching this and McCoy just pausing like every couple of minutes to ask in like a very like very calm and like very respectful manner, like so when they do this. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> is it okay for morale? Also, can we do a ham check in the room? Have you guys heard about that? Oh my god, that's no, my favorite thing no, I ever learned about that? like these like conventions. You can go to like Comic Con or whatever else. I've never been to any of them, like E3 and otherwise. But apparently some of them have like kind of like after party esque things in hotels where you go and it's not as crazy as you think, but it's like they do watch like literal like porn anime. But then what I think is so funny about that. That's totally normal. I get that. Why not? Sure, if you're into that. But what's hilarious about it is you're not supposed to masturbate. And that, to me, is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? So There's, like, a bunch of adults in a room watching porn just being like, it is acceptable. Like, what the fuck Art. is happening? And so they do hand checks where they're like, excuse me, pause, turn the lights on, everybody, anyone, where are the hands? It's like, what the fuck? So that is so funny to me. That just gives me such joy. And I, I just... I think you could really troll that in a kind, funny way by having like three arms, you know, <laughs> for the hand check when they turn the lights on. You've got like three hands just in like some weird, I don't know, you guys. It's just, that is so funny. That's, they ask for hand checks. That's the dumbest shit. <laughs> I just, come on, man. That That is, that's like real, that is some real dumb human shit that we got going on that we just, that's the metagame that they believe in. Let's all just sit in a room and watch porn together. But God damn it, if one of you touches yourself, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I just. Oh, man. Because it's real. I'm serious. Like, I've heard about this on many podcasts. And it's just, it's like, I've never felt so drawn. What to podcast are you fucking listening to? No, this was actually, this, this was literally featured on Giant Bomb of all things. That is a very mainstream. Oh, okay. gotcha. Yeah. But they're just like deep in the fucking scene, bro. And I just like. It's the same reason why Raphael might have suggested to show me this anime because just knowing it exists is something truly joyous and 
I've never been so drawn <laughs> to an, a social event just to see how motherfuckers play it out. Because it's so unique. Like, what a weird... Like, what... Like, like what, what What do they feature? How do they decide the movie? Like, this is just, this is the shit that I want to know. Do you know what I mean? Like, do they do the, ne- do they do the next episode the next year? Or, like, how does it... You know what I mean? Like, like, like you could sit there and watch your same YouTube recommended video for the same time. You know, for, like, the 100th time, you could sit there, just close YouTube. Gosh, I should have scrolled so much. Or you could live, right? You could be alert, alive. And you could go to a fucking anime convention after dark and you could watch them sit there with directions and not touch themselves. Watching an anime. How do you not want this in your life? I don't want this. My friend. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this either. What? Come on, people. This is the... Mo- oh, it's, this is living. Oh, oh. fuck. McCoy would be in the corner with a notepad and a pen, just taking yep. notes of his experience. <laughs> Man. He'd be like, hand check, he'd oh. be like, hold on, I'm writing notes. <laughs> Man. Dude, I love the idea of, like, a sociologist going to this right. thing to, like, do a study. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like, literally, the notes are like, Man, slightly overweight. Hasn't showered in three days, question mark? Sitting. No one's next to him. Failed one. hand check. <laughs> 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 Failed hand check. He's on his third strike. <laughs> Dejected. Walks into the street. Ooh, that is the question. Is there a strike system? Right? Like, all right, Timmy. You wanked one time. You're only allowed to <laughs> wank and then you're out. Dude, yeah, exactly. And, like, is there, like, because keep in mind, this is the after dark, like, fucking event where they hold, you know, like, at first they were looking at, you know, video games or whatever. Oh, there's a new Assassin's Creed. That's so interesting. So, wait, 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 wait. I have a question. Yeah. Is this a real thing or is this a thing that the people in Giant Bomb, like, heard happened once? You know, what is the source of truth, James? I, I you know, fair. it's like okay, asking fair. me to trace that back is to expose the... The house of cards that is my understanding mm. of the universe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I think if we're being honest, a lot more of our experiences of the universe too. But yeah. Um, but here's the thing, right? That's the after hours shit. Like, yo, mm-hmm. you're, you're walking through the floor. You see someone cosplaying as fucking Melania or whatever, right? And you're like, yo. That's the safe for work after hours stuff. Right. That, yeah, exactly. So then you're like, hey, um, I think you're cool enough to. And you hand out a business card because, you know, it's it's official. And you hand him a business yeah. card, right? This part I'm making out, by the way. Um, and then you're like, hey, um, just come on back to our hotel after this. And we've got like a really cool like show that you, I think you'd like, right? It's <laughs> – if I was good at producing a really good anime slash hentai storyline right now, that would be if – th- if you could come up with a title, that's exactly where you put that in the joke. But yeah. Um, but then, though, is there a more after-hours part than that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like – Because you're sitting there and everyone's trying not to masturbate, I guess, or like trying to be so cool that they like didn't even, they didn't even look like they needed to, right? It's just like, we're just watching Uh this and like, I like the animation style. It reminds me of Dragon Ball Z from back in the day. It's like a, it's an old school animation style. And that's like my favorite when it comes to titties. Um, But yeah, like you're just sitting there, right? And you're having this intellectual conversation. And then is there like a second shadow business card that gets popped, like, you know, for the real shit? For after the after hours party. You know what I mean? This one doesn't have a hand check. (laughs) <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is there some real shit at the end of that? I don't know, but I want to know. I want to know. All right. Yeah. Well, I think I think that you have some good, you know, social deduction question mark to do at the next anime con. Yeah. 
And with yeah. that, guys, I did what we were all afraid to do is I launched our Patreon. Fund my, oh my willingness God. to go to this. I will tell you the story afterwards of if there is an after hours, after hours. I don't know how to really describe it. <laughs> what do, that, they, you know what do they play at the after after hours? Yeah. Yeah. I will mm-hmm. use one of yeah. those. Um, you know what I mean? Like those like, it's like they're like not jello, but they're like really elastic. You know, and they're sticky. I don't want to know what you're talking no, about. No, 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 James, James. Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> hand check. Hand check. We are talking about the intellect. No, but you know what I mean? Like those like, um, there's like sticky hands that you throw and would like grab things like you're a fucking, oh. like frog's tongue or yeah. something. When you're a kid, you know, you throw out like an elastic hand. It's like red. It's like, oh. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got them at bowling alleys. Oh, mm. that's hilarious. Yes. So that is, I will bring that for the hand check. If you pay for our Patreon, do you understand what I'm saying? Check out our Patreon at yep. Tyranny of Thumbs. Yep. Uh, yep. We don't actually have that, by the way. No, we don't. I was going to say, no, I don't no. think that actually, no, that actually exists. <laughs> but was that not? I mean, I'd pay for But that. if you want us to have a Patreon, write in at tyrannyofthumbs at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Got it. Ugh. Way to go, James. Yeah. I was going to say, like, at the top of the podcast, I was like, feel free to rate us five stars on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, but after sure that discussion, the... like, feel free sure... not to rate us. <laughs> no, no, James, no. no. What, what they need to do is they need to rate five stars, but then put in the description, cringe. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the description, hand check. That's all we need. That's all we need. Hand check. Uh, one, two, one, hand two. Hand check. That's like the that's like you know the the YouTube comments thing of like you know like this video and in the comments write the word peanut butter so that way I know you right. watched until this part of the video so now that's we can right. be yeah. like write us five stars on Apple Podcasts and write hand check and we'll yeah. know you made it this far dude oh <laughs> like, god okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say this without insulting the people who would actually in like review our channel or whatever the fuck which is not even a channel but you know our podcast but like. Okay, thank you for doing that, and hopefully have a thoughtful thing to say. But imagine being on those YouTube channels and being a literal, like, cog in that machine of, like, if you've watched till 37 minutes, write peanut butter. Like, can you imagine being a literal – you are a literal cog in their content machine? Like, mm. like can you can you imagine – re- supporting. Yeah. Like, the people who respond to Twitter polls, like, what would you have for breakfast today? And it's just, like, it's pure engagement farming, and they're just rolling through, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you're just like, I had fucking. I just imagine. it brings it brings meaning to their to their lives. Oh, you see, like sometimes I'll I'll participate in Twitter polls, but it's only Jorb's Twitter polls, and it's mm. his option of see results. <laughs> so he'll ask a question, like a yes or no question, but then there's a third option that's just see results, just so I can see what the distribution ah. is. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like Jorbs is like. I feel like Jorbs, all of Jorbs' Twitter polls are probably ironic. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Ironic is the fucking way because to seriously actually go out there and do that is to sell the part of you that I feel like you want to keep dear to your heart. Right. You right. know, integrity, honesty. Oh, God. It's really. So this week I played Magic the Gathering. Nice. Um, the Did new you set play came that out on card? Thursday. The what? No, 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 Did no, you no. Pay That's a bear card? the uh, no. So, um, so Magic the Gathering just announced like they call them secret lairs. It's just like alternate art for their cards, but it costs a lot of money. 
and um, this one is uh, for Gay Pride Month. They're releasing a set of alt art for cards, for a series of cards, uh, which is LGBT themed, which really feels like like rainbow washing to me, but um. But that's okay, whatever. Uh, and then one of them is it's a it's a card that creates bears, so they put a lot of bears on it. Um, James, which I, I thought was funny. I thought you were gonna yeah. say when you said you didn't play it. I thought you were gonna be like, no, Zoe, listen, this card is not competitively viable. Oh, I would never put terrible. this in my yeah, deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This card, <laughs> this card is, it is an old card, and uh, it was powerful at one time. Um, Fair. but, eh, I mean, it, it would still be strong in, um, in limited, but yeah. So it's a DILF. Um, yeah, okay. exactly. Got it. Yeah. Right. Good. Yeah. It's a daddy, yep. uh, card. Um, no, I, so the, the new car, the new set that came out is called Streets of New Capenna and it is, um, it's like a mafia themed set. Uh, in a city which, um, the, the, the heads of us, of the, the main crime families are all demons and they killed the gods of the world and, um, bound, uh, all of the angels to their will and, um, like, basically squeeze drugs out of the angels um and then sell them sell the drugs on the street so that's the backstory of the set um and it's super fun i've been having fun with it playing with adam hmm. rest in peace um <laughs> shout out to adam shout out Yo, to did adam. you guys get the adam dlc in spirit fair <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't get that <laughs> The farewell oh, edition. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Adam edition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a set where um, there's a it's a three color themed set. So um, there's it, it, there's a bunch of uh, like each family has its own three color grouping. Um, None of which, none of this stuff really matters to you guys, but um, makes it a little bit more complicated in terms of um, certain things, uh, building your mana base. And um, but there's a lot of really interesting uh, mechanics around it too. Um, they added divine shield to the game. Um, all of my ex Hearthstone player. Uh, people will recognize what that is because no one plays Hearthstone anymore. I was going to say but... remind me because I Damn. don't remember. Sad yeah, it's, D- Divine Shield is the thing where um, if it takes damage once, you remove Divine Shield. Ah, okay. But it can take like infinite um, damage one time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh, so they're... it's an opaline bubble tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Great reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to stop using um, physics and fucking PvP. It's bullshit. Anyway, it's not important. Except it's called a shield counter. Mm. Um, if they called it a fucking divide shield, would people like lose their mind? I think yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. What else is there to say about magic? I'm just happy that um, you're still playing it every once in a while and that you gain like this much value from it. That's just like so rad. Yeah, for sure. I I listen to uh, a podcast every time a new set comes out that talks about all the new cards and discusses how they these people think they will be like how good they will be, which is fun. Hmm. Um So I I like get semi into it. Um and then and then I stop playing after like two weeks till the next set comes out. How long you listen to this podcast for, James? Uh, well, each one of those, they release two episodes. One of them is about the, the common and uncommons. And that one usually takes about four hours. And then they do the rares. And that one usually takes about three and a half hours because of all the text on each card. <laughs> right. No, but like, um, but like how, how, like in like, like years, bro. Like how many? Years oh, how you? long have I listened to yeah, it in years? Yeah. I don't know. Like, not that long. I guess a couple of years now. Okay. Maybe three years. I was just, I was just so curious. I guess that's a long time. Because like I listened to a podcast similar for Hearthstone that I still check in on every once in a while, which is ridiculous. And they've like had like host changes and stuff, and I like. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I nearly cried, bro, when one of the hosts left, but it was bro, it was really rough. Yeah. Hmm. It made me sad. You know, and I like think about that a lot. Like, as an actual podcaster, but, like, fuck, like, how many years did I listen to that podcast? Like, seven years, something like that? I don't, I don't know. This podcast, it's called Limited Resources, and um, it's had a number of host changes. Well, one of the hosts has been the same the whole time. Hmm. Um, his name is Marshall. Um, and he started the podcast in, like, 2008, 2009. It was, like, very early days of podcasting. Um before Hearthstone came out. Um, and he actually, like, I would say he and his co-hosts uh, have, um, like, changed the way people think about drafting and playing limited um, for the better. Um, like, they, they help people level up and understand it way better, um, which is cool. That's so cool, man. Yeah. They like leveled up the whole community. And now there's a bunch of different podcasts that kind of do the same thing. But this one's probably the most famous. Also, his co-host is now a Hall of Famer in Magic. So, hmm. Who? Like widely considered one of the top 10 best Magic players ever. Um, Which I guess gives them some uh some more respectability in terms of like their opinions who's the guy or girl who's the magic who's the hall of famer uh luis scott vargas the one on jorb's stream who you don't respect <laughs> okay hold on <laughs> he he uh he he played slay the spire and 
uh, Jorbs watched him and basically critiqued every single thing that Luis did because Luis didn't know how to play the game. <laughs> well, it's just that he, what I, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's a reasonable description. What I, what I objected to is that he, he didn't give a fuck, I guess. Yeah. He had like a, and you'll see this in card game communities and you'll even see Jorbs do this at times, but it's like when people get ridiculously comfortable with something, it's like the decisions they've made it so many times that they just flow naturally. Like you just, you just run it down, bro. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. playing Slay the the thousandth time. You don't need to really think about your opening. You know what I mean? Like when you get to be an expan- uh, an experienced like Slay Aspire player, like y- you know which one you're clicking on of the four options like pretty fast. Whereas yeah. before you might take a little bit of time. But he didn't really know the game, but then he was like playing it at that speed. And that's fine. It's totally fine. It was for fun. It was a fun piece of it. It was a fun content. I, I'm not trying to like talk shit. I just, it's the same thing with invasions and with um, speedrunners, I mean to say. With speedrunners of Elden Ring, I was like, I hope the game kills you <laughs> for playing like this because I think you should take a little more time. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to defend LSV. Like, he did play terribly in that video, like for sure. Um, is he? Is but he, then you um, watch him play Magic and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's sick. And he's um he's related to and or married to Gabby Sparts, right? Yes. Yeah, he's married to Gabby Sparks. Oh, see, then that's, like, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gabby Sparks um, is the best Among Us player ever. No, actually, she's a Magic player, allegedly, but, like, I get to be the guy who came good. on for the side yeah, content. She's... You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's also good at Magic. Um, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Um. So what? James, you watched enjoyed... me do some invasions. What do you think about that, bro? I did. I watched you do some invasions. Those were very cool. Um, they looked like a whole lot of fun, but I was not. I was not trying to, trying to play that game at the moment. So mm-hmm. there wasn't room for you, anyways. Don't worry. We tried to do invasions right. with three people, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Because then all of a sudden, like Brian who was playing with us was on the other side, so it was like two v two. But then he's on the other side, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I can't calm to Gabe. Let's go fuck this kid up with two katanas because he's in the call. This is not right. <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, but James, are you feeling better then from your injuries? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Um, yeah. I'm kind of like, I kind of got out of like the habit of i don't know like playing games <laughs> yeah so it's been a little bit of an interesting kind of move back into playing games just a little bit mm-hmm. um but yeah we'll see what happens james you got free from video games yeah. and you coming back bro <laughs> 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 That's a that's a way. I don't know. I was, like, I was I can't fuck for the life of me. I cannot construct who this person was, but it was like somewhere in the past, like month or so. It was like some streamer or something was giving his life story. He was basically saying like, you know, my parents were super like, they were super strict when I was younger, and they didn't let me like, you know, drink anything or smoke anything. Which okay, that makes sense because you're younger. But then it was also like a lot of things. Like they didn't let me do this, that, the other. 
and they just like really wanted to like protect me from like all the addictive things that exist in the universe and it's like and i'm like looking at this person and i'm like you i just watched you do a seven thousand hours stream of this video game and it's like they almost protected you from everything almost <laughs> they just missed one thing that might take up a lot of your time unfortunate you know they didn't i know. mean but it is their job so yeah that's right yeah Streaming seems to be a very unhealthy job. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Some people do it, but most people don't seem to do it well. Yeah. But then you just find the ones that do, and you just pretend like that's normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, every once in a while, I tune into Day 9. I hope you play in fucking whatever. Elden Ring. Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. I don't click on those streams, James. I'm not going to lie to you. Um... <laughs> He's really, I, I actually, I really love his magic streams because um, he'll just, like, talk about game design or something for, like, an hour while he's playing magic. Dude, that's what I love his fucking Demon Souls slash Dark Souls, like, streams for. Mm. He was he was playing Demon Souls, and there's, like, this one creature in this, like, magma area that you have to hit, like, 400 times. And it doesn't really hit you, but it also doesn't, like... You're nervous the whole time, like it's going to attack you, you know? You're like, what's going to happen? I think it might be able to attack you, but if you just kind of like play range, like you just hit it 400 times and it dies. And he was doing that. And like, meanwhile, he was just like talking, like, yeah, like you're saying, like about game design or whatever. He's just sort of like talking. And then someone came in, they were like, yo, this is so fucking boring. And he's like, oh, you must not, you must be new here. Like, this is what the <laughs> fuck we do. If you expected me to progress in this game at all, you came to the wrong stream. <laughs> He's like, I might go forward, and I might die. <laughs> and there might be no progress whatsoever, and I'm okay with all of that. And if you're not okay with all of that, totally cool, but don't come here. <laughs> yeah. I think Dana... That's what he's yeah. been like for his Elden Ring playthroughs. It's been a joy to witness, just because he'll eventually, like, he'll always get some chatter who's just like, man, you suck. And he's just like, ah, oh, you must be new here. Yes, I fucking See, do. I don't, I don't play these types of games often. So no, I am not the best. Yeah. And also like you just, it's like, it, I forget what, like, where, where this was like referenced, but like he just like sits there and marvels at the lighting, you know what I mean? For a while. Mm. That's okay. Like I, I think he can, I think he actually has a lot to teach when it comes to, sure, game design, all sorts of things, but but also just, like, the way he's able to enjoy life, that's one thing. Um, but he also teaches a lot about just, like, he really curated his community to be the way he yeah. wanted to be. He did that really fucking early. And I think that helped yeah. him a lot when it comes to, like, the Twitch lifestyle, whether that's healthy or not. Because, mm -hmm. like, you hear big streamers, and they're big streamers, so they lose the kind of fan interaction in a way because it's just this, like, wall of text they can't read and it's going by so fast. But some some of them are friends with their chat, but others of them are, like, enemies with their chat or against their chat. And you're like, damn, to be against your community means you've just, like, let this thing become some evil creature that you don't even want to be around. And that's But just... it makes you so much money at that point. Right. It's hard to leave. It's hard to change. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I love Summon so much. I mean, I don't know how much I've ranted on this podcast about him, so I'll, but I won't much. But he just, he wasn't afraid to, like, go after what was actually interesting to him whilst being 
on the biggest stage too because it's like a lot mm. of smaller streamers go after what's interesting to them and that's totally reasonable and it probably is better for them but for him to be like i'm getting hella views playing warzone but i fucking hate warzone because it turns out if you play this battle royale game every waking moment of the day since it's been released till months afterwards you you lose what it is to be human <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> like it goes from you and so he was just like listen i'm going to a different game and everyone was like what how are you gonna do that and he's like listen seriously i'm doing it i just need to have fun that's what actually matters and people will actually respond and he would lose like it's like 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent of his viewers just like overnight they're just gone mm-hmm. not playing warzone fuck that and then climbs back because it turns out he's having fun down there and i just like i don't know it's something about trying to recognize that if the streamer themselves can't handle the mental sort of pressure and damage that they're under then it doesn't really matter like even if you are making a ton of money like is it worth it and is it a long-term strategy to like success yeah yeah Yeah. i agree Mm mm-hmm and that's our responded by sponsored by Shadow Legends. Raid Shadow Legends. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're just gonna play that game for the next seven years of our podcast, and that'd be totally fine, right? Dude, what if um, I fucking It's been very Go ahead. Oh no good. I was gonna say it, it has been really interesting only because I think this year or it, it was last year marked the ten year anniversary of day nine playing Amnesia mm. on on uh, Twitch. And it was just so interesting. Like, he did a whole stream where he, like, watched a highlights clip mm-hmm. from that playthrough. But he would, like, pause it halfway through and kind of explain, like, his mindset going in. Mm-hmm. And it is just hilarious, like, listening to, like, him describe the landscape of Twitch at that point. Because he was just like, you guys have to understand. I'm playing this game. And I'm looking at the number of people watching. And there are 20,000 people watching. Yeah. But you don't understand. In 2011, yeah. that's a shit ton of people. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. And that is a yeah, shit ton of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's still a shit ton of people. It's just like, shit's changed. That's right. a shitload, but not the maximum number. I was going to say, like, there's plenty of streamers who consistently bring in 20K now, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But for him not to fucking choke that out, that's how professional he right. is. At that time, he's hitting like fucking you're you're steering into the stun levels of number of of Twitch, <laughs> and he instead produces one of the most iconic playthroughs ever. Right. Right. It's, it's genius. It's, it's 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 everything. It's really so. One of the interesting things about Day Nine, you guys, is that. I also follow other people from esports back in the day at that time, you know, like Richard Lewis and Thorin and stuff like that. And these motherfuckers are curmudgeons. Thorin is esports. Exactly. Great reference. How the fuck do you know that? That's awesome. (laughs) 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 That's a great fucking reference, James. (laughs) God, he he, he talks about that constantly. Apparently, he just made a tweet about, like, I am esports and just triggered everyone. And that's... Well, it was... was it was because he was butthurt about the fact that there was going to be an all-female CSGO league. Hmm. And he was like, and then somebody was like, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, shut the fuck up. I am esports. Yep. Yep. He he likes to fight people on yeah. Twitter. That's what he likes to do. And, yeah. and I feel like that is an old school style. Because he doesn't say ratio. 
Like, did you guys ever hear about the the fucking one time? Apparently, like he was like warring with. I can't remember what community it was. It was like Call of Duty, I think. I don't think it was Rocket League. It was like some some community I don't follow. And he just starts like writing fucking jokes to all their like responses. Like he's writing like knock knock jokes and fucking like all these like old school formats of jokes. And these they're children. They don't know what a knock knock joke is. So they think he's just producing like lunatic sentences. Like, just, like, crazy. And so they're all just like, oh, my God, he's unhinged. He's gone crazy. Which, to be fair, I don't think is an entirely unreasonable assessment of that Twitter storm. Um, But, yeah. But, anyways, what I was trying to get to is that say what you will about those people. That's fair. All of it's probably justified to some degree. Um, But one of the things they talk about a lot is that they are still, I think, at war with. It's not like an active war, but it's just like a cold war. With, like, Day9 and, like, Artosis and and Tasteless and some of those old StarCraft people that I really love from a different side. And so it's really interesting to hear, like, they have a bunch of stories that they'll occasionally tell about, like, the diva nature of Day9 and how hard he was to work with. And it's so hard for me to, like, parse that all together because, like, I truly do love that guy, like, Day9. He's given me so much. And I don't know. It's just really interesting to hear it all together. And it's one of those adult moments of, like, it's not one reaction. Um, mm-hmm. And I can kind of believe it in some ways that maybe he was hard to work with in certain ways. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it's undeniable the legend that he was. Um, and at the end of the day, like the value that I think he brought to the people that wanted to listen, like it's a pure joy. So does everybody say that or no. do just those people say it? Um, so cause yeah, I kind of wonder if also, right. Like, they weren't incredibly difficult to work with. Exactly. If you said to me, hey, I heard those guys are difficult to work with, the answer would be, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, so what it had to do with is it had to do with StarCraft was a really, really, really early eSport and a really, really early yeah. eSports game. And while both those people, like think about the names that were attached to that that you've heard about in other contexts. Okay, Richard Lewis, Thorin, Destiny, Right. Destiny mm-hmm. is that he was a Zerg player back in the day, bro. And now he's like kicked off Twitch, fucking running his own website, trying to like, you know what I mean? Do politics content. Like that guy was associated with that shit. DJ Wheat, who worked for Twitch forever and was one of like the the huge higher ups at, at Twitch fighting for like just what it was to be a gamer as that thing was being corporatized. Like he was from that scene. I mean, think in control, rest in, rest in peace for real. Um, it's just like so many people, obviously, yeah, like Day9, Artosis, Tasteless, like they're all from this StarCraft esports scene that was so organic and natural. And we don't really interface with those sorts of esports these days. Like yeah. they don't exist. Like Valorant was the closest thing we saw to that for a while. And now Riot's taken it over and done their own thing. And hopefully they'll be more awesome and, and, and do cool things with it next year. Uh, but at that time... It's like Blizzard say what they will about Overwatch and how much they want the Overwatch League to be successful. Like they weren't a part of esports in a meaningful way back then. They were a bit, but they didn't control it. And they certainly didn't really exactly like control it in the same way that companies do now. They certainly didn't control the talent in the same way. Like they just didn't. It was more of a grassroots esports scene. So 
I say all of this, and, and especially when you go back to the Brute Brood War, which is like the last expansion for the original StarCraft, which is the term that they use for StarCraft the one in its entirety when it comes to an esports scene. They talk about Brood War, which is where the majority of that esports was done because it was an esport that was played for many, 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 many years without being patched. And there was still meta innovations. And that's like a whole interesting side conversation. But basically, like, because things weren't run in the same way that they are now, there wasn't like these game developer overlords in the same way. The esports talent themselves, think Artosis and Tasteless and Day9, were the, they were everything. They they were StarCraft at that time in they the same way the that scene. Thor. Yeah. yeah. And so if you think about like Thor and Richard Lewis, not particularly being people who say like are easy to get along with if you're on the other side of an argument, um, and certainly think about them back in the day when they gave less of a fuck than they do now. Um, it's like, it's just, I think it's a, it's a interaction between everyone trying to do what they thought was right for the esport, but having different ideas of what was actually right. Whereas Tasteless and Artosis were trying to, in many ways, take control of the esports, making sure that they were casting all the finals and these sorts of things. Um, and being the voice for StarCraft, which can sound evil in some ways, and I think it did to some people, but in many ways, actually, like, they they were the voice of that game, and they actually did, I would say, shepherd it in just about as good of a way as possible. And in fact, one of the things that I really lament these days is not having the same power in a voice of the game. Like, I miss the voice of the game. They did an incredible, like, I mean, you know, 10 years after their casting peak, people are still trying to touch that level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Of um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they were that good, but they also took a bunch of control and shut some people out who are trying to take control themselves. And I can see all of that for what it is in a yeah. reasonable way, if that makes sense. So Makes sense. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So Dana was probably in there too right like day night's yeah. probably sitting there going like i'm premier talent i want to be treated like that because back in the day premier talent was treated like garbage <laughs> and he's probably trying to fight for that and you could see that as fighting for the rights of talent or you could see that as shutting out new talent or you could see that as you know what i mean i mean the 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 things that richard lewis and thorne have done over the years that they think are morally upstanding and from their perspective it is but they're like just viciously attacking because okay because like just take one small step back it's like esports at that time was so duct taped together by everyone just trying to do their best and it's one of the worst qualities that esports has is that we really try to be something that we aren't we try to show we try to peacock you know what i mean like fluff up our feathers and like our tail and be like yo we're the biggest fucking industry out here and we're pretty big now for sure but back then it's like we're a fucking room full of people trying to stream a fucking game between, you know, these two players that, like, got flown out here in fucking coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it was at that time. And so then I think Artosis and Tasteless and Day9 had a perspective of, like, don't show the wires as much. Like, suit up. You know what I mean? Like, they were famous for wearing suits and shit on the broadcast. It's like... They were trying to like class up esports and like mm. put the the stuff behind the scenes like away, don't show that. 
And I think Richard Lewis and Thorne, and I think Richard Lewis particularly, saw that as um, dishonest and disingenuous. And so then there's a bunch of like famous altercations where they were trying to expose each other. You know what I mean? Richard Lewis is trying to expose Tasteless and Artosis for covering up some behind the scenes bullshit. And I think they both in their own ways were trying to protect and foster StarCraft esports. But mm-hmm. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I, I want to point to one thing that you said that I'm not sure is true, which is that esports is like a massive thing now. Hmm. Like, I don't know that it makes any money. Question mark. Hmm. Like, I, I feel like that's massively unclear. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's partly just because on the internet, it's incredibly hard to make money yeah um also james it's a modern business model which is to say that it's giant and doesn't make any money at the same time right exactly yeah yeah but i mean but you've heard of the the giant acquisitions in esports right like esl getting bought by like the fucking saudi gaming group and shit like it's like which is like right everybody thinks that it's yeah either going to make money or like one step away from making a shitload of money Mm. but I don't know. It's unproven. Well, so it probably is at this point, I would say, close to making money in a real serious way. The problem is that it's a very young industry, not only in the fact that it's young because it's not been around for that long, but I mean literally young as in it's fucking the lifeblood is children, dude. And like that's a fucking problem. For example, like if you think about business – like, children don't know fucking business, and they don't give a fuck. Children don't have money. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. But apparently they are, like, everything, Like, fundamentally, bro. they don't have money. But you know those YouTubers that fucking, like, like unbox fucking children's toy and just rake in billions and just walk around on yachts? Like, like that shit exists yeah. uh, in a much sure. less exaggerated way than I just exaggerated it. But, you know, like, that exists. Yeah. But the thing is that, like, the industry isn't isn't really like thought of in a nice i would say like analytical like holistic way it's like run by reddit and stuff in a lot of ways where kids can just be like because okay because the kids care about the players step one because they're the closest to them and in some ways they're the person that they wish they would they could have been you know what i mean but that's i mean that's all sports though uh, on a on a small level right on a certain level right yeah no, definitely. But it's but but imagine if the fans just ran football. <laughs> right. And they just said That's what they true. wanted to say and if it was echoed loud enough, the leagues would just change. Like yeah. like maybe that happens on a really large scale if it's like really fucked, but it's not the same. Cuz like dude, you talk to to I've heard a bunch of interviews with org team org heads and they'll talk about like essentially we are getting highway robbed by players. Like the salaries they have is out are out of control, and we don't even make any fucking mm-hmm. money to begin with. And if we did, they're getting it all. And then you look at yeah. Reddit, and Reddit's like, player complains about X Y Z when it comes to salary, right? And then the org gets fucking dogpiled. It's happened in the league like fifteen to twenty times in the past like five years. This is org just gets dogpiled for disagreement with the player who they're paying absurd amounts of money to suck. 
as far as I can tell, at League of Legends, um, from a professional standpoint, um, and certainly from a world standpoint. So it's just, I would say it's not holistically thought through at this time. Well, they're not, yeah. If that makes sense. That's fair. And I think, I think also, like, in America, they're not, they're not paid to play professionally. They're paid to stream. They're paid to stream. Right. Right. They're paid to brand. Mm-hmm. But, like, we can like, think about the way culture has gone, man, in the sense of, like, people will literally sit there and criticize, and it's totally fair, but they will just sit there and go, like, how fucking soulless is it that this fanatic manager is pimping their fucking gear, they're pimping their fucking um, t-shirts and shit while their team is getting fucking, like, knocked out of Worlds or something? You know what I mean? But they're like, yo, buy a t-shirt now because we're not going to get any more World Stage, you know, time or whatever. And that that's, that is what it is. But, like, that's there's two sides to that. It's like, one, that's super fucking lame. Like, where's your heart in the esports, man? You're not even watching your fucking team. And the other side of that is they're fucking desperate. (laughs) Like, why do you think they keep pimping hoodies, bro? Why is 100 Thieves a fucking fashion org first? And they're they're not exactly. That's not totally fair. But why are they a fashion org? A lot of it. And it's because they are trying to make money. (laughs) You know what I mean? They are trying to survive um, in Mm -hmm. that way. And there's just there's just different ways of going about it, but apparently the American version is like through t-shirts comes money, comes success, I guess. All right. It's just like it's not going to work. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. It's yeah. like nobody's figured out how to make money on this and it I is it possible? It is. <clears throat> so the the problem is that so okay, there were some works that were trying to be sustainable financially. But they were in classic modern business fashion destroyed by uh, venture capital that came in and just charged other companies with millions of dollars oh, that they yeah, didn't yeah. fucking earn. And the second you have to compete with someone who got millions of dollars they didn't earn is you are fucked or you get your own million dollars that you don't earn and then you all of a sudden are tied to a fucking other sports league that doesn't give a fuck about you and then COVID hits and they want to cut your fucking team from the organization because they never gave a shit about you and you were just like a fun project. But you did that to compete with the other guy who took money himself. So, and, and I don't think this is a unique story to esports, but it's just a very cautionary tale when it comes to business. It's like business and the economy has like a balance. Like you learn in economics class, I remember, about like supply and demand and like the balance and like finding it. And it's like there there is that balance, but there are forces in this world that will upset that balance with cash injections. And that mm-hmm. does absolutely fuck with the balance. And it absolutely does create scenarios where you're just, it's OP, bro. I don't know, like it's OP. I don't know what to say. Like, so then you you have to use rivers of blood, James, if you're a fucking business and you wanna survive. I know you were trying to mm-hmm. use your Lord Sworn Straight Sword and Shield Build, but bleed goes through your fucking shield, James. So even if you block right. that shit, you're gonna bleed anyways, which means the bleed the you know, the shield build that you love that was sustainable isn't viable anymore. Does this does this translate? I feel like I I tried to use the Absolutely. language of the kid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. I mean I'm not I'm no expert, but I've just watched it for a while and it's just tough because the sustainable orgs are, are things like fucking complexity back in the day. It's like complexity was like tier three for their whole fucking life. And they're, it's because they were trying to be sustainable. And then it's like, you're gone, bro. Like you made nothing yeah. sustainable. So, I mean, I think, 
like I'm also I'm also on the on the like side of like where where's money coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's coming from venture capital, it's coming from merch sales and it's coming from like stream revenue and earnings at tournaments, which is like not really, not actually. Um and then maybe from like Riot Games like contracts with the league. Like you maybe they get some portion of yeah, like rev share. Yeah, revenue, which is like okay, yeah. Um but also maybe not. <clears throat> um I don't know how those contracts work. I assume there's revenue share though because it's probably the only way to do it. Well, so, so um, that's what's claimed now. That's why you see leagues everywhere. That's why you're going to see a Valorant league. That's why you've already seen a Riot league. That's why you've seen an Overwatch league and a fucking everything else, Call of Duty league and right. stuff, is that they claim that the way to make this sustainable is to have a league and have rev share models where it's like yeah, people pay, I mean, $10 million. But the other way to... Go ahead. Okay. Right. I mean, but like the... Then you look at the... You watch the tournament and you're like, there's no... There's no possible way that this can make money. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? That's what I think when I watch it. So maybe, maybe not. But here's the key part that people talk about a lot. If you hear interviews with, with, um, I wouldn't say like Carlos from YouTube said this exactly, but people of his status, right? Like owning an org, right? Yeah. Um, I've listened to a bunch of those interviews. And what they talk about a lot is like, hey, so we generate value for this league and we generate value for this esport game itself the game underneath but that basically and they say it in the kindest way possible because they don't want to upset the game developers because if you do you would lose everything but they don't get skin sale revenue they do if it has their fucking name on it like if it has g2 on it then fine but the fact that their premier player walks out with a fucking lux skin in a particular way and the sales spike for that skin they are not allowed to see those numbers they are not allowed to see the revenue that is made from that and so as a result like in some ways esports is a marketing exercise for the game so the game developer gets to just like keep so then why do the why don't all of the orgs just say no more skins in pro play that'd be insane <laughs> james james write a letter let's get let's go let's fight james in esports because the health of the game supports them as well to some degree. That's There's true. A, but a network of incentives that they are tied into. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't disagree. But, like, I think also... I mean, I like, I was watching the, the Valorant um, pro thing, and I was comparing it to, like, football and i was like okay why does what what's the difference between watching football on tv and watching this and uh one of them is ad breaks yeah um it's a game which is designed for ad breaks um like literally like the the rules are written with ad breaks in mind and um i that helps revenue right yeah (laughs) um but also um, I mean, with with something like Twitch, they could literally put ad breaks into their own broadcast and subvert Twitch's like right. cut, 
right? And like they, they could and just they do, do and it. They, they could sell ads themselves. Yeah. And they like sort of do, but like, I don't know. It, it looks like if they've, if they've tried, it doesn't look like they've tried that hard. Well, so, so, <laughs> to be so honest. James, here's what you're kind of trying to say in, in some ways. Maybe. Okay. No, this is okay. Never mind. This is no longer what you're trying to say, but is somewhat adjacent, which is all right. We watched the Valorant esports broadcast and it was super badass. And in fact, they had a bunch of professionals there and they were really great. Asterisk, I think. Yeah. You know, we could talk about talent another day. <laughs> right. But like, Imagine yeah. in your head, you have the best talent in the world, tier one. There's 10 of them at a tournament. They run it on land. They fly the teams out there. This is fucking rad. They've, they, they've got – it's everything. But you notice that you click on Tyler One stream, and he's got the same viewers. <laughs> and he's a dude in a fucking room, right? Yeah. And then you go, well, I don't know much about profit, but – Surely Tyler One's making more money than this esports league is, right? Mm-hmm. If they have the same viewers, and of course they don't exactly have yep. the same viewers, but it's something like this. It's like, especially when it comes to co-streams, where it's like, yeah, this guy's just watching your tournament, but he's muting all your broadcast talent, which is like ten people that hopefully you're paying well. He's muting all those guys because they suck, and he's just looking at Reddit on the side monitor, and he's getting the same money as you are. How? Yep. How is that profitable? So I don't exactly know the details of it, but it's definitely, there's a lot of questions like that going around for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of where my, my brain is at for that stuff is like, how could this possibly be making the kind of money that that people are expecting it to? Um, hmm. I don't know, James, but do you want a positive note to end it on? Uh, yeah. What's the positive note? <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> okay, no. Here's the positive note. If there's, there's plenty of patterns I've seen in esports that are negative, right? We can talk all day about it. And, you know, sometimes my my brain breaks and I just become negative when it comes to the whole thing because it's, it's been a lot to watch people learn the same lessons I learned 10 years ago in esports because it's just a new one and I'd prefer the new one to just be better instead of learning the same lessons. But that's okay. And maybe that's what it is to grow older. But the positive pattern I found with all this is that, say what you will, but teams that win tournaments get paid somehow and gain popularity. It's just a fact. I've seen it throughout the whole history of esports. And so it seems like people want to try to make all sorts of different strategies to make their money, and I hope they do. But what I will say is there is nothing like a team that wins. A team that wins Mm -hmm. creates an org name brand value that can last for multiple years afterwards and can create fans that you know exist for what feels like a lifetime in esports which is like i don't know six months no but no it's actually like a couple years but still is that there is in there in all that heart of crazy business and who makes money and i'm not sure and how much players are getting paid there is this kernel of winning teams get noticed and loved for what they do yeah. And so at the end of the day, that incentive exists for orgs. Create a winning team if you can. And if you do, all of your spreadsheets will become green in some way. Um, and so that is, I think, the force that I still believe in and still watch and still hope to prevail. I don't know exactly how it will fit into all of the, the situation, but I just know that, yeah, that's what you want. You want the people who win to be rewarded, not just with prize pool, but with everything. And I feel like 
that's what you see with a lot of these like fourth not fourth tier org but like you know bottom tier orgs that are like constantly fourth place or below or whatever maybe eighth place or below yeah craig's gone i get it um (laughs) uh yeah he's he's out. out i get it it's been a long one we should wrap it up soon but yeah it's just like the fact that winning still creates household names for the players and household names for the orgs is um it's everything it's everything yeah it is the force that is still pure in that industry man and it is what's worth following so i love that like think about dude sentinels were 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 poisoned by it when it comes to valorant but think about that they won a little bit man and dude they've been dining on that shit forever (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true to this day um yeah, I I had like one final thing, which is actually bring it back to Magic the Gathering. Shit. Um, Magic has had a professional like scene since ninety seven, something like that. More than like earlier than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game came out in like ninety three. Um, and this isn't esports, but it is gaming. Um. <clears throat> And um, there was this, like, extremely complicated system where there were, like, regional tournaments, and those would qualify you for even larger regional tournaments. And then, like, there was an invitational pro tour and, like, ridiculous things. And there was even a way to, like, get a salary from Wizards of the Coast Mm -hmm. um, to be a professional Magic the Gathering player, and they would, like fly you out to the all the tournaments um and then like four years ago that went away Hmm. and they tried to become an esport and they created a league and um they took like the 32 best at that time like magic players and basically gave them a job and everybody else was shit out of luck (laughs) Hmm. Um, and almost everybody hated it except the 32 people that were given a job Um, and I I think even those people kind of hated it Um, and it failed it didn't work Um, it did not become super popular it did not become the next esport as you guys might know because (laughs) you probably didn't know about it Um, and earlier this year they canceled it they were like we don't know what's coming but there is no more professional Magic the Gathering sponsored by Wizards of the Coast everyone freaked out and then about a month and a half ago they were like alright the old stuff is coming back sort of Um, and they're going back to a a system where there are tons of open tournaments for normal people to go to. And there are, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a one V one competitive game. Um, and if you disagree with that, feel free to write in <laughs> at tyranny of thumbs at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, so there's an aspirational system again um, where people know how to become better. Well, how to go to tournaments and like make their way through the ranks to 
like become a a somebody who's like known in the in the community because like 90% of the people that like matter in the East, in the magic community like won major tournaments right and that's how they become they became known um in fact as mentioned earlier LSV yeah uh he he and his team channel team channel fireball um were like the first super team in magic um and they're it's like still one of the largest powerhouses more than a decade later in the magic community um and uh so like as you were saying like winning matters yeah <laughs> um so I, I think that that's, that's an interesting story of like, they tried something, it didn't work, and they're, they're going back to, to the system that they knew before, which is like, it actually is much more like the Brood War system than I think you would have expected, uh, <laughs> given the differences in the games. And it's just another thing that someone who likes magic can say to me, and I can just feel if only I like to watch this at all, this would be oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing about it, is that it's an atrociously bad viewer experience. Oh, shit, all right. Um, nice. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure some people would disagree with me on that, but uh, they're wrong. It's a very terrible viewer experience, like... I think that that's like one of the most important things in esports is how good your viewer experience is. Um, like that's fundamentally why Overwatch will never be a popular esport. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean Magic. Like now it's going to be in person again, so you're just like watching two people like sit at a table and like hold cards to their face. You know, it's like and somebody has to read the cards because they're too small to read. Like that's not a good viewer experience. Dude. Yeah. No kidding. Like watching magic in person tournaments. That's why like the most famous thing to come out of a magic tournament. This is not entirely true, but is like, is that guy who just took pictures of people's ass cracks? Like, yep. do you know what I'm saying? Like yep, that's yep, yep. a better viewer experience in some ways than the actual esport is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. And like, they created the this like more aesthetically pleasing like game like online thing that we did for the podcast Magic the Gathering Arena basically for that transition into trying to be an esport hmm. um and like it made the viewer experience way better um but you know what it doesn't have spectator mode so hmm. uh kind of like in hearthstone they just like had the like top third of the screen was just the other player's perspective right. of their hand it's like atrociously stupid looking right yeah. um yeah but yeah i mean i think i'm not i'm not saying that i think that that esports is uh, is failing a failure fundamentally I'm saying that nobody has shown it to me in a way that seems to be a sustainable model. 
Sustainable is a strange term when it comes to esports because it feels like a lot of people trying to bully each other out the space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I I yeah. I'm not sure if I know either, and maybe no one will. But I I do miss some of the old days of esports, and I do miss that like at that time there was a reverence and a respect for esports. Like, yo, this is what the fuck we do. And we are here for the nerds. And that's why, like, I don't personally watch Magic, but I, like, respect it from a distance. Is like, yo, that's there for the Magic nerds, bro. It's not there for me. Um, And I think, like, what's really sad is that we've really tried to, like, grow esports by trying to adopt other models, trying to copy other things. Whereas, like, dude, esports was on the cutting edge. It's like that line from fucking um, Ape Shit, right? That fucking badass song where they're, like, in the Louvre, bro, and they're, like, rapping, and it's fucking sick as hell. And at one point, Jay-Z is like, like, I turned down the Super Bowl because, like, I don't need them. They need me. Okay, I did, I, that one doesn't rhyme. But whatever he said was better than that, and it rhymed. <laughs> right? And it sounded epic. And the premise is, like, he's bigger than the fucking Super Bowl halftime. Like, fuck you guys. Like, you're, mm. you're, you're trying to take my, like, cred. Um... But, like, that's how I felt with esports for a long time, where it's like, dude, we were trying to shove esports on TV. We are trying to, like, make sure esports has the same sponsors everyone else has. Oh, let's get Coke. It's like, why? Like, do you need, do you want that money in here? Do you want to be as uptight as they want you to be? You know what I mean? Do you want to be as mainstream as those, those companies want you to be? And I don't know. These orgs really do. They really do want to make that money. But at the same time, like, we already had, like, the pure grassroots, everything that was needed. Like, we had all of everything you could possibly want. And now it's like, well, okay, we'll take all the money, but if we take the money, then we're going to have to make a league. And if we're going to make a league, that means, like, really interesting five-man teams that come up can't really exist. So you see a really interesting team of young players, which is having a bunch in Valorant, by the way, and it's, like, really sad to know that, like, someday soon that won't exist anymore. Where it's like, you look at these teams, you're like, fuck, I've never heard of any of these players, but they're so amazing and they play so well together. So what's going to happen now is like, we're going to take that and we're going to pick it apart like vultures. We're going to take, I could really use a, a jet player from that team, gone. You know what I mean? Like imagine um like Cloud9 back in the day in League, right? It's like this, like, who the fuck are any of these people? <laughs> but they dumpstered everyone. And this motherfucker's got a notebook, and that guy's name is Balls. Like, shit's just out of control, right? <laughs> but what would happen now with that team is they'd be like, we could use a top laner. We'll just take Balls. And they would just leave the rest of the thing to die. And it's like, it's sad, man. Because mm. um, old school esports would support that. They would let them just come in there and dumpster everybody, and everyone would have to pay respects. But, but I feel like it's just everyone wants to copy this, like, league fucking format they want to copy like and I'm, when i say league i don't mean league of legends although it is exactly a league format and maybe i do mean that in some ways but i mean like you know football and shit like they're just they just try so desperately to be those models because i think they want to grow up they want to be mature and it's like to me they never needed to grow up because they already were cooler and more cutting edge they already were using streaming platforms in a way that these other things weren't they were already using formats and like double elimination and all sorts of cool shit that like Football doesn't do double elimination, but part of the reason why they don't is because if you did that to people, I think I think the the actual humans playing football would like literally die from injury if they had to play that many games. Um, yep. 
But like I think we, so too. but because our players don't die, we get to do cooler formats. I mean, I wouldn't run them into the ground personally, but like you know what I mean. Like we get to do cooler shit. So I just think everyone should take a pause when they try to copy older formats that are like dying. <laughs> like maybe you should figure out what the natural advantages you have are. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But again, at the, at the end of the day, like I'm not the one sitting there with the balance sheet. And maybe these like new cool ideas just weren't good, and maybe these league formats are the way, because then you can get coked, come in and bankroll that shit, because they felt like, you know, throwing some money your way, and by that I mean some money for them is like more money you've ever seen in your life for you. Yeah, I mean maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that the, the old way is like the we ran this tournament. Because we took out a loan on our house <laughs> to rent, like, the fucking uh, Holiday Inn event space and, like, they didn't wash the carpet and we have, like, a couple of TVs and and computers that we brought in and, like, we're doing our best. And, like, and then they didn't make any profit on the tournament so like they can't run it again next year like that's not great Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah but dude that's why the fighting games never died ever and they're like insane like if you guys ever study the fighting game esports it's so fucking weird and then i say that in a cool way but it's just like it's nothing like i've ever seen before because it's a community of people that follow series sometimes sure like they're street fighter players and this is like i used to play three and now they play four but they also will play random fighting games that are totally different like imagine if some person in, who's like hella good at valorant is like i also play call of duty you're like what you also play call of duty it's not just like they came from call of duty it's like sometimes they play them simultaneously which is crazy but other times they literally just like transfer from game to game to game to game like every year and sometimes they'll be like this is the hot one right now and everyone will come over like not everyone but like a lot of people like like 70 percent of the people I'm, I'm making that number up but but the reason why they can do this is because you can't kill fighting games they're too powerful here's why they can run an entire tournament with one tv and everyone else brings their controller so it's one tv one console and everyone brings their controller <laughs> think about the cost for that instead we're like yo we need state-of-the-art pcs for 5v5 but then we also need practice rooms so okay that's like what like two grand a pc at least then we need to monitor etc etc and if if it's like less fps they'll complain which is true and it sucks to play on and it's like yeah then we need practice rooms then we need like you know hella good internet we need all this shit like do these guys are literally like yo brian brought the console (laughs) like and then they just stream that on twitch and because of that it's just like the most natural grassroots things that could ever exist it, 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 can, it literally yeah. cannot die. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. If, like, people are willing to go there, then it can be run. <laughs> and so I love actually watching that on time and again just because it's so pure in some ways. And I know, like, like developers are trying to get into that more and trying to, like, structure it more. And we'll see where that goes. But it's just so amazing to be like, yo, <laughs> this guy is literally, like, I'll, I'll watch it. I was watching the other day. It was a stream. It was for fucking Soul Calibur. Which Soul Calibur's like, it had its moment in the sun, and it showed the incredibly scanty clad um, women and men in that game, um, in its moment in the sun, and then they just sort of like it died, like pretty much on the vine when it comes to like viewership, right? 
like the tournaments went from like it's a hot topic thing for like thousands of viewers to like there's a tournament and it's in a bar but it's in the back room and it's streaming to 70 people and the prize pool is like 60 bucks in like a month but it's beautiful man to watch it because these motherfuckers are first of all amazing like i learned soul caliber like the, the the mechanics of it and it was these guys are incredibly good like incredibly good um but also like it's all the things you want to see it's like you see the same faces over and over again because like who the fuck else is playing soul caliber so you see all the great matchups you want to see like this guy's the best like fucking this player and this guy's the best this player and it's an interesting matchup and they face like all the time like weekly for like 70 viewers and I don't know. It's like it doesn't have any of their backing behind it. And I don't know. They're probably not making money, right? Like, of course they're not. But at the same time, the purity of it is like so incredible. And the skill is so incredible, too. There's there's just something about the like natural grassroots of esports. It's just so beautiful to watch. So oddly enough, even though I don't understand mm. fighting games, really, like they they really just they can't be stopped pouring out this like grassroots esports. So I don't know. That's just like a quick shout out to fighting games because like fucking rad. Who knew? But yeah, like. It's it's just a. Hmm. There are so many that have like no structure that holds them down, and I, it doesn't let them grow to make millions. And Coke doesn't fucking show up for sure to sponsor that shit. But at the same time, like you get to see the purity that you're looking for. So I don't know. Try Soul Calibur. Trust. I'm not looking for purity though. I am. I'm looking for a good viewer experience. Fighting games are a good viewing experience. That's true. Because the casters always go, which is sick. Well, also, but also, like, you can see everything. And, like, I don't know. I think that it's a it's it's a clean viewing experience for the most part. Should we cleanly exit this podcast? What do you think? I think so. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, shit, It's son. been a while. Yeah. It has. All right. That's what we've been playing, the downfall of and... esports. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perfect. And cut. And post a shady link and post. Okay.